Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, join the discussion at The Rank Podcast on Twitter or X, Threads, Instagram, and TikTok on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com or at our email address, uh, therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. That's patreon.com slash The Rank Podcast. And you can check out clips or full episodes on our YouTube channel, The Rank with John and Zach. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. So happy Halloween. Yeah, you too. Uh, do you like Halloween? Or are you a spooky person in general? Eh, I don't really care. <laughs> Me neither. I feel the same way. <laughs> I mean, you know, I like that my kids like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I'm not a holiday person. I'm not a Halloween person, but um, I like this. This is one of the ones that I I wouldn't want to get rid of because I think it's good for kids and and also the people who just want to be adults and do it. That's also fine. It's pretty inoffensive to me. Yeah, it doesn't really bother me. You know, it's um, but it is. It's fine. I I, I enjoy when when uh, the ladies really like it. So. <laughs> With their scary, quote-unquote, costumes. <laughs> exactly. They're terrifying yeah. costumes. I uh, Do you get trick-or-treaters at your house? Oh, tons. We live in a neighborhood with lots of kids, so oh, we get tons of trick-or-treaters. As as the Captain Baby Fans, whatever that was, episode might have, might have indicated, I'm not really a kid person, but I would love to get trick-or-treaters. We get absolutely none because we live on like a little side road that's off of the main road anyway that's kind of hard to find and we live around the back of the house at the end of that so like even if you wandered down this road you wouldn't find us so we get absolutely <laughs> zero trick-or-treaters we never really have and it's it's lame your kids are a little young to to really do too much halloween stuff right oh man this year there was tons of halloween stuff being done we did we did like we did trunk or treat on Saturday, and then we did trucks and treats on Saturday. Oh my God! What's, what's trucks or treats? Trucks and treats. Trucks and treats was um, like a whole bunch of like construction type vehicles all over, and people like it was basically like it was set up by uh, Bosies, uh -huh. and it was like, hey, businesses, come advertise by bringing a truck here, setting out a table, and giving candy away. You know, I like it. It was really cool because, I mean, the trucks were, you know, they were cool. And the, we got pictures of Lyndon and Calvin, like, in the tires. You know? Oh, man. They're, yeah, so, they're huge. so big. Yeah. Um, so that was really a lot of fun, actually. Um, and then uh, what did we do Sunday? We did something else. Oh, we went to a, a Halloween party at a church. 
Uh-huh. You know, Sarah finds all these free events to do. Yeah. She's like scours the internet for free events, <laughs> which is great. Cause She's you know, thrifty. yeah, exactly. She's thrifty. Um, but it's, um, it makes for busy weekends um, and weekdays actually. Cause that's what she does all day. Like today they went to the library for Halloween story time. You know what? That's great though. It um, is great. As negative as I am about kids a lot. Um, that sounds fun, to be perfectly honest. If I was a kid, I would enjoy that kind of stuff. Just going with my with my family and hanging out, doing Halloween stuff. It's really neat. Even if it's like, I like it because even if it ends up being kind of silly and like not that fun, may as well go check it out. You know? Right. I I'm in complete agreement with you, and she's so good about it. I mean, she's mm-hmm. like, her off time is her scouring the internet. You know, like, I'll I, so at night what we do is the you know we'll get the the two older boys kind of ready and relaxed in bed mm-hmm. and then i'll take quincy and just walk him around until he falls asleep right and that whole time is like and, and i usually just sit with him while he's asleep for a while too because i'm mm-hmm. like yeah you know this is nice cuddling with the old baby you know mm-hmm. and um the whole time is to give sarah some time to relax and have time to herself and everything and she spends that entire time thinking of things that she can do with the kids like the rest of the week that's uh devotion it's yeah a, i don't want to say it's a rare thing but it's a you know a rare thing to find such such you know dedication and it's uh it's very good she is a really good mom i'm uh i'd never tell her that but <laughs> don't want to get her don't want to get her ego too inflated <laughs> exactly that head's already big enough you know yeah <laughs> she needs to just keep focusing on one head you know what i mean <laughs> um, anyhow <laughs> what did your kids dress up as well it was funny because they wanted to be ghosts. So Sarah mm-hmm. actually got some, um, she took some of the curtains we're not using uh, and sewed them to make ghost costumes out of. Classic. I love it. So then uh, the other day they went to a mall. Um, well, they went to a grocery store that was in a mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they didn't go in the mall. They just went to the grocery store. But then, you know, the parking lot's kind of busy, right? So she yeah. got... But Calvin likes to climb through the trunk to get to a seat. And she was just like, I just, you know, I don't really want to mess with that. It's too busy of a of a uh, parking lot. So she just put him in a seat and he was just upset, like yelling, crying, you know. And so so she finally was like, okay, I'll stop in another not as frequented parking lot and uh, we can do it there. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she stops and just so happens to be right in front of a spirit Halloween store. Oh, <laughs> and so Calvin goes. I want to go in there. Yeah, <laughs> and then Lindy goes. Me too. And so she's like, "Well, I guess I'm spending money today because she knew going in there she was going to come out with costumes, right?" Mm-hmm. So she ended up getting three costumes. Calvin picked out Blue from Blue's Clues, mm-hmm. which is just adorable. And Lyndon chose to be a creeper from Minecraft. Oh. I don't really know what that is, but <laughs> it's like a green, you know, it's like a green square that blows up. Green square. I love it. That is, that is very cute. I, I will admit to that. <laughs> oh, you saw the picture you mean? Yeah, I already got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Quincy didn't choose anything, but Sarah made him a little goofy. Uh, like goofy. Disney goofy. Okay. Yeah. Goofy the dog. Yeah. Gorsh. Yeah. Which is funny because. When Sarah was a kid, she asked to marry Goofy at Disneyland or World or whatever. Yeah. So you know, I like I had a, I had a Goofy, 
like little stuffed goofy, right? And put it out at her seat at the wedding for the reception Aww. that said they had a little note that said, Don't forget about me. That's you funny. know. So then you should have um, you should have dressed up as Pete. So when she dressed him as Goofy, I said, Do I have to be concerned here about the father? Uh oh, uh oh. See what I did there? See what I did there? Funny joke. All right. So why don't you give an agenda for this, Zach? Well, um, as is as is fitting, we're now gonna go into a uh best picture best picture nominee, which is very Halloween themed. Right? The <laughs> right, exactly. uh the, the Bishop's Wife, the perfect Halloween movie. So this being the uh this being the uh, what do you call it, the best picture nominee series. Actually the agenda's the same either way, right? The agenda is the same. <laughs> the agenda's the same. So we start we start off this uh this uh podcast that you're for some reason listening to with some banter, which you just heard, Halloween based, because today's Halloween, you know. And uh followed by uh, an agenda, which we can <laughs> Which I'm now being sure to keep in and mention that we give an agenda because you like it. I do enjoy it very much. <laughs> After the agenda, we move into some, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, like a like a, a, oh, a movie summary. Oh, summary. That's right. I almost quick, got it wrong. <laughs> a quick summary. Well, yeah, I'm the one who's on on the game today. But a quick summary of the movie, followed by some potent notables. Um, fun facts about the movie. Um. Followed by a movie overview, the long movie overview there. We talk about the movie from beginning to end. So if you haven't seen it, go spoilers. Yeah, you go find some other thing to do. Shouldn't be hard. Um, and then finally, we rank the movie. Ten categories, one to ten. We give it a score, and then we find out what's the best picture of what year is this? Nineteen forty-seven. Nineteen forty-seven. Rather earlier than our other years. We've also done twenty sixteen and two thousand what four. Yeah, that's right. And now 1947. <laughs> Jumping back in time a little bit. So tell us about The Bishop's Wife. What is it? Um, Halloween movie, right? Well, first, I just want to ask the listeners a question here. Do you enjoy me torturing Zach with having <laughs> the, the agenda, agenda as much as I do? So Me, me struggling through the freaking agenda, which is... <laughs> You know, for some reason, it always catches me off guard. Is the reason I'm not <laughs> expecting to have to say anything, and then like you'll say that I'm like, oh. <laughs> you're like, oh shit, I'm not warmed up. Yeah, I, I need to <laughs> me 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 me. So, <laughs> well, today you're right. We're ranking a 1947 movie called The Bishop's Wife, starring Cary Grant, Loretta Young, and David Niven, written by Robert E. Sherwood and Leonardo Bercovici. It was adapted from the novel written by Robert Nathan, and it was directed by Henry Coaster. I did not know it was adapted from a novel. That's brand new information. That It was a novel from the 20s. Um, oh. We'll get into it a little bit in the Poet Notables, but mm. it's interesting. Um, it was nominated for five Oscars, and it won one. Mm. It was nominated and didn't win for Best Original Score, though the category was called Best Music at the time. Oh, Best Film Editing, Best Director for Henry Coaster, and, of course, Best Picture. The category it won in was Best Sound. Best Sound. Yeah. <laughs> this movie does have sound. I agree with that. <laughs> um, now, the story revolves around Bishop Henry Brom, portrayed by David Niven, who is struggling to secure funds for a new cathedral while neglecting his wife, Julia, who is played by Loretta Young. His prayers are for, for guidance lead to the arrival of an angel named Dudley, which 
ridiculous name, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Played by uh, Cary Grant. However, Dudley's charm and helpful nature quickly complicate Bishop Brom's life as he becomes an indispensable figure in the community. As Dudley and Julia form a close friendship, friendship, the film explores themes of love, faith, and the importance of human connection during the holiday season. Pretty good. Oh, thanks. Much better than my summary would have been, which is Angel tries to get with Lardy Young, moves on. <laughs> so this is actually going to be our first 1947 movie. But not only that, it'll be our first Oscar nominee from the 20th century. Oh, wow. That That is actually kind of amazing. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I thought you'd like that because it was uh, something that I did. I just kind of was like, I realized, and I was like, I wonder if Zach is realizing this as well. And I'm glad yeah, you weren't. There, I would imagine there are more Best Picture nominees from that century than the, the next one, but there we are. <laughs> um, so I had no expectations, great or otherwise. See what I did there because that's coming up this year. I do well done, but I have no expectations going into this year. Um, I haven't seen any of the movies except for parts of Miracle on 34th Street. But what about you, Zach? Because you, you've seen some of these. Yeah, I've seen three of them, including the one we're doing today. And um, I, I see Miracle on 34th Street fairly frequently. Kind of funny that two Christmas movies were nominated for Best Picture this year, don't you think? It is. It's very odd. Because there's only been three years in history where yeah. a Christmas movie has been nominated. Yeah. And there were two of them were this year. Yeah. And... Uh, so I'd seen both of those, you, you know, kind of every year to some extent. And I'd seen Gentleman's Agreement with Gregory Peck in it um, just randomly on. I watched a lot of Turner Classic movies back when I watched TV and not streaming. So I would just be like, oh, what's on here? Oh, I like Gregory Peck. And I watched it. So, And uh, yeah. I, won't, I won't give away the rank or anything, but uh, I don't mind rewatching any of these every year. So, Oh, well, there you go. So... I mean, do you have any suppositions for this year? Like, do you have a do you, Do you think that Gentleman's Agreement will end up being the best picture, even though it won best picture? Or do you not even want to say? I have a feeling. We'll have to see because I have no idea how you feel about this movie you, you that you hadn't seen. Right. Um. But I think this one has a, this one right here has a decent chance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Um. Well, we found out on our last best picture episode. That sideways was the rank's best picture from from two thousand four. Mm -hmm. Kind of, uh, you know, the last a, one ended up winning. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise for me. Not that I expect the sideways to be bad, but right, I wasn't expecting sideways. Although, if it hadn't been sideways, it was going to be Finding Neverland, yeah, which yeah, I really didn't expect. Definitely didn't expect that. Didn't didn't go into that with expectations at all. I kind of wonder if that was a little bit part of it because we remembered several of the other movies being really good, and then they were kind of disappointing to us in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. And by disappointing, be. I don't mean disappointing like they were terrible. Right. I don't think I don't think we've come across a really terrible movie so far, so that's good. <laughs> um, this now is kind of, this is kind of a weak year, though, don't you think? The nineteen forty seven year, by which I don't mean that any of these movies are bad, but there's not like you know, nothing no... stands out as like like a, a classic. Yeah. There's Christmas classics, Christmas classics, but but I don't like... consider them film classics. You know, exactly. What I mean? I'm not sure anybody does. They're just fun that like people like to look at, but they're not. Yeah, so it's going to be a sort of a really interesting year. I'm I'm curious to see if they're going to jump into the 2015 
um, section of movies. Because mm -hmm. 2004 had a hard time with that. Three out of five yeah. didn't make it, right? Yeah, so, exactly. We'll see. Um, yeah. Now, Sideways didn't beat Brooklyn. So yeah. Brooklyn is still our number one, you know, best picture nominee of all time. So best picture of all time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, but maybe these 1947 films will change that. Let's, so, let's, let's find out. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the potent notables. So, as always, we start our Pote Notables with the box office results. However, with the older movies, box yeah. office results can be harder to find. Yeah. For instance, on Box Office Mojo, which is where I find the box office results typically, it said this movie made nothing domestically and $16 internationally. I would, I would call that a flop. Yeah, from a 2021 re-release in New Zealand. Zero dollars domestically. I love it. Not a single person went to see this movie, including the director. He was like, eh, I watched it in editing. But how many people I'm saw done. it in a re-release in New Zealand if it made $16? $16. Is that like two? <laughs> it could be two. Just a couple went to see it. Like, oh, I've, this sounds interesting. The bishop you know? and his wife went to see it. Exactly. Actually, the bishop's wife and an angel went to see it because the bishop was too busy. Exactly. That's the Gary Grant. Um, so this is what I did. I found an old variety article from January 5th, 1949. Oh, wow. That gave the top grossing movies of 1948, okay. which were apparently all the movies that were, that made at least one and a half million dollars in 1947. Okay. <laughs> it's kinda, kinda it was random. a very confusing article. Um, but they called them rentals, which we've discussed before on other uh, episodes. But uh, basically, rentals are the word for profit. It's whatever the studio made after budget and all that. Okay. According to this article, the bishop's wife made $3 million domestically. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know if that's a hit for the time. Not based on Gone with the Wind, um, which is like one of the highest grossing movies of all time when you factor in inflation, right? Yeah. I guess it made money, so there's that. Yeah. So interestingly, market research showed that moviegoers avoided the film because they thought it was religious. Oh, that's interesting because we'll get into I, it, but it's not especially religious, actually. But it's interesting that I would think that it, that wouldn't be a hindrance in 1947. You'd you think know? that people would be like, oh, I'll go see the Christmas movie that's also like... Very Christian. Yeah. So yeah, so Samuel Goldwyn decided to retitle it. The, the, the bishop's wife he's decided mm -hmm. to retitle it to carrie and the bishop's wife for some u.s markets okay and he uh, added a black text box with the question have you heard about carrie and the bishop's wife on posters and markets where the film kept the original title that's kind of i could potentially be kind of decent advertising yeah well by adding carrie grant's first name to the title the film's business increased by as much as 25 percent so they didn't notice like that he was in the movie until his name was in the title. That's kind of weird. Audiences were simpler in 1947 and 48. Also, like we should add the actor's first name into into every movie. The actor's first name, not the character's first name. I know that's what I thought was funny. Is this wasn't the character? It was the actor. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone and Rambo. <laughs> but it wouldn't be Sylvester. It would be Sly. You know. Mm -hmm. 
because it was Carrie. All right. All right. So I want to dive in to the business side of things here, which mm. I don't I don't know if everybody likes this or not. Um, I find this part of the of the industry fascinating, you know. But because this is going to be our first RKO radio pictures film to be ranked, I just thought, let's talk a little bit about RKO radio pictures. Fair. So basically, RKO, RKO Pictures was born out of the demand for talkies. Mm -hmm. The business was formed af after the Keith Albee Orpheum Theater chain and Joseph P. Kennedy's Film Booking Offices of America studio were brought together under the control of the Radio Corporation of America, otherwise known as RCA, in October 1928. Uh -huh. So RCA executive David Sarnoff engineered the merger to create a market for the company's sound the sound on film technology. So they had like a new technology and they're like, well, instead of selling it to the studios, we're just going to make a studio. Mm -hmm. um, so it was called the RCA photo phone. And in early 1929 production began under the RKO name, which was an abbreviation of radio Keith Orpheum. Okay. <laughs> the radio. So, so RCA controlled an advanced optical sound on film system, Photophone, recently developed by General Electric, RCA's mm -hmm. parent company. Its path to joining the anticipated boom in sound movies had a major hurdle, of course, with Warner Brothers and Fox, Hollywood's other vanguard sound studios, um, were already financially and technologically aligned with ERPI, a subsidiary of AT&T's Western Electric division. Mm -hmm. So the industry's two largest companies Paramount and Lowe's MGM, along with First National Pictures, third of the silent era big three major studios, mm -hmm. but by then in, in marked decline, and Universal Pictures were poised to contract with ERPI and its Vitaphone and Movietone systems for sound conversion as well. So David Sarnoff approached financier Joseph P. Kennedy in late 1927 about using the system for his Film Booking Offices of America, FBO, and that's how he got RKO. Okay. Um, I don't know if that was easy to follow or not, but it was, it was a little complicated. I'm a little surprised, actually. It was like, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, so now the question is, where did it go? Why mm. doesn't it exist anymore, right? So, well, let's start with this sentence. Howard Hughes bought it in 1948. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did he want to make more airplane movies? I Motivation is unclear, but in May 1948, he spent $8.8 million to gain control of the company. Mm -hmm. So it's a fun bit of synchronicity between our 1947 Best Picture nominees and our first 2004 Best Picture nominee. Exactly. That's why I decided to, to put this in here. So Hughes decided to get a jump on his big five competitors by being the first to settle the federal government's antitrust suit against mm -hmm. the major studios, which had won a crucial Supreme Court ruling in United States versus Paramount Pictures, uh -huh. which I had no idea that that was a thing. Mm. Um, but under the consent decree, decree he signed, Hughes agreed to dissolve the old parent company, R Radio Keith Orpheum Corporation, and split RKO's production and distribution businesses. Okay. So, so basically, you know, at this time, RKO was a studio and also a theater chain, mm -hmm. right? And what the Supreme Court, this ruling said is that you, you know, you can't have both. Okay. You you can't have the you can't have the the movie, the distribution and the theaters. Is that like an anti 
Yeah, it was an antitrust thing. Um, so yeah, but what's crazy is so then by splitting these two up, so we had RKO Pictures Corporation and RKO Theaters Corporation. Mm -hmm. With and then he had an obligation to promptly sell off one or the other, which of course he delayed doing. Yeah, that until about December right. 1950. Oh wow! That's... Yeah. And then he didn't even actually sell his stock in the theater company for another three years. Yeah, and just nobody gave a shit. Yep. Um, but his decision to acquiesce was one of the crucial steps in the collapse of classical Hollywood's studio system. Yeah. So Howard Hughes is sort of why we have the separation. I mean, you could say the federal government, I guess, is. But, you know, without him just going like, okay, I'm just going to do it, you know. And not continue to fight it, then we wouldn't have a, a separation here, and and we probably wouldn't know the box office results like we do. Yeah. Um. So Hughes quickly became notorious for meddling in minute filmmaking matters. That doesn't seem like him. No, and, Hughes notorious. Hughes <laughs> meddling. No, this doesn't match anything I've heard about him. Yeah, and he also promoted actresses he favored. Mm -hmm. Oh. Including two under personal contract to him, Jane Russell and Faith Domergay. Domerg, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but while his time at RKO was marked by both diminished production and a slew of expensive flops, mm. the studio continued to turn out some well-received films under production chiefs Sid Rogel or Sid Rogel mm. and Sam Bischoff. Mm -hmm. Though both became fed up with Hughes's interloping and each in turn quit after less than two years. Mm -hmm. I just, I just feel like I know Howard Hughes now after mm -hmm. watching. Yeah, Peter, and this yeah. all fits to me. At the very least, you know everything you need to know about him. So. Right. <laughs> so in September 1952, Hughes and his corporate president Ned Depinette sold their RKO, RKO studio stock to a Chicago-based syndicate with no experience in the movie business. The syndicate's chaotic reign lasted until February 1953 when the stock and control were reacquired by Hughes. Mm -hmm. The studio's net loss in 1952 was over $10 million. So basically he sold it like high and then bought it low. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so leery of the studio's mounting problems and sparring with it over the release of the forthcoming nature documentary the living desert the disney company exited its long-standing arrangement with rko and set up its own distribution firm buena vista okay <laughs> so that's why on the old cartoons we see yeah. rko come up which i didn't even realize i definitely didn't either and actually i kind of always wondered what buena vista was too actually me too like it always shows up for disney movies right mm -hmm. buena vista i'm like what the fuck's been a buena vista yeah i just um, and then you forget about it because you watch the movie and it's like who cares but yeah exactly so contractual obligations though meant that one last disney feature would be released by rko in 1954 mm -hmm. and it continued to handle disney shorts in, into 1956. Mm -hmm. So looking to forestall the impending legal imbroglio, by early 1954, Hughes was offering to buy out all of RKO's other stockholders. Mm -hmm. Before the end of the year, at a cost of $23.5 million, Hughes had gained near total control of RKO Pictures Corp., becoming mm -hmm. the first virtual sole owner of a studio since Hollywood's pioneer days. Mm -hmm. Virtual, but not actual, because Floyd Odium, who was one of the original owners of RKO, 
like one of the, he, no. He uh, gained control of it before Howard Hughes, like in the early 30s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he reemerged to block Hughes's acquisition of the 95% ownership of RKO stock he needed to write off the company's losses against his earnings elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So Hughes had reneged on his promise to give ODM first option on buying the RKO theater chain when he divested it and was now paying the price. Mm-hmm. This is, this is intriguing, isn't it? This is like a movie right here. I was actually going to say, you can kind of make this into a movie where it's like these these twists and turns of business. I don't know. <laughs> Acumen, I don't know. Yeah. And I apologize to the listeners if you're not interested in this for, for this being so long. I just, I got, I went down a rabbit hole in research mm-hmm. and I just found this fascinating. So, mm-hmm. so with negotiations between the two at a stalemate in July, 1955, Hughes turned around and sold RKO radio pictures incorporated to the general tire and rubber company, the general tire. That's who I sell all of my movie studios to right for $25 million. If I say I need to sell this movie studio, I'm going to go ask some tire companies if they need it, if they need a movie studio. <laughs> Excuse me, well, Goodyear, would you like to buy my movies? <laughs> exactly. I'd go with Firestone. You um, would. But, uh, or no, Handcook, or whatever that is. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about? Handcook tires. So basically, this left himself and Odium just the shell of RKO Pictures Corporation. Yeah. And what we're now, according to Fortune Magazine, it's sole assets, $18 million in cash. Okay. <laughs> so... For Hughes, this was the effective end of a quarter century's involvement in the movie business. So this was it for Hughes. The new owners of RKO made an initial effort to revive the studio. So General Tire and Rubber Company was like, let's get into the movie business. Yeah, it makes sense. Why not? So on January 22nd, 1957, after a year and a half without a notable success, RKO announced that it was closing its domestic distribution offices. Universal will take over most future releases and that a reduced production wing would move to the Culver City lot. In fact, General Tire shut down RKO production for good. RKO announced in early 1958 that it would continue as a financial backer, Mm. co-producing independently made pictures. But fewer than a half a dozen of those even resulted. The final RKO film, Verboten, with an exclamation (laughs) point at the end, was released in March 1959. Like a German musical. (laughs) um so that's it that was the last rko film march 1959 verboten i guess that's kind of sad i mean i don't care because it doesn't matter to me what corporations go under or not but yeah watching old movies you do see the rko opening you know thing a lot well it had citizen kane yeah so i kind of you know you're kind of like oh and then whatever happened to that and that's what happened to that it turns out (laughs) howard hughes happened to it and just his shenanigans so yeah sorry for the long-winded rko spiel but i just found it kind of fascinating so we'll move on to the movie itself here so Cary grant was originally cast as the bishop Mm -hmm. david niven as the angel and Teresa wright in the title role Mm -hmm. but producer sam goldwyn took one look at director william cider's original rushes like dailies you know hated what he saw and fired him Get out of here. I guess that makes sense if you really hate it that much, but at the same time, it must have been startling for the director. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay, bye. So so do you, so you like the dailies? No, you're fired. Oh. <laughs> I didn't like them so much that I'm not even giving you notes. 
So you, so you didn't like it then is what you're saying. <laughs> so by by the time Actually, were... I'm sorry. I imagine I imagine what was his name the producer? William Sider. William Sider. I imagine I imagine the director walking in being like, "So, do you have any did you like him?" And he's like, "Oh, actually, I have some some feedback here." And he like picks up a notepad and like flips through a couple of pages like he's looking for something and then you're fired. Right. That's it. <laughs> okay. That's an hilarious scene that needs to happen in a movie. Um, <laughs> It'll be in the RKO weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? If we get this RKO shenanigans, you know, the, the weird business cr weirdness going on, we can have, um, and we want some silly stuff in it. We can have, what's his face? Um, I can't think of his name. From the big short, the director. Oh, the Aaron Sorkin of comedy, Adam McKay. Adam McKay, we can have him do it. I feel like he'd throw in all sorts of weird comedy like that. So, yeah, that that sounds good actually. I'll, I'll call him right now. Yeah, I'll oh, wait. Oh, I don't have his number. Oh darn it! I'll just Google Adam McKay number. Yeah, I'm sure it's there. Um, now, by the time they were set to reshoot with a new director, Henry Coaster, mm -hmm. uh, Teresa Wright was pregnant, mm -hmm. and so she got replaced by Loretta Young. And Grant prevailed upon Coaster to let him swap roles with Niven and play the angel. Okay. But we're going to get into that later because yeah, that it'll not actually be true. I, uh, well, we're okay. So I was, I was going to, we can talk about maybe during the acting part. Do we think the movie would have been better or worse with the roles flipped or the same? We'll see. Well, what's interesting about, about that which is what I was hinting at, is that there are two versions of it. Coaster okay. said that he and Samuel Goldwyn agreed to switch the actors in the starring roles, which Coaster asserted made Cary Grant unhappy throughout the duration of the shoot. Okay. And that was the official story for a long time, but modern sources say that it was Cary Grant who requested the change. So either one thing or it's complete opposite. We're not sure. Right. <laughs> Maybe somebody who knew Cary Grant or Henry Coaster will tell us. Yeah, I'm sure they're still hanging out doing stuff. Well, you know, they died. One died in 1986 and one died in 1988. I believe with Cary Grant. Uh, I, th I think Henry Coaster died before Cary Grant. But either way, you know, they were contemporaries for a long time. So somebody's got to know. Yeah. Um, so at about one minute and 20 seconds, Henry and Julia are ready to make some parish calls. And Henry mm. says to Julia, we go first to the Trubshaws, right? Mm -hmm. So this is an example of David Niven's attempt to mention the name of his friend, Michael Trubshaw, in every movie he made. <laughs> no idea why. Okay. Fair. <laughs> if, you're, if you ever become a movie star, you're going to have to do that for me, okay? Absolutely. No problem. First, we go to the Zacks. Yes. <laughs> so um, the Zacks, that's, that's my family name. <laughs> <laughs> Zachary Zacks. What's the rest of his name? <laughs> Which we'll get into, but I thought that was a weird way to ask that. But anyway, one scene shows Cary Grant and Loretta Young in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Right? Director Henry Coaster staged this with the two facing each other, mm -hmm. but both complained that this showed the quote unquote wrong side of their faces. Okay. <laughs> so, in order to show the quote unquote right side, they both had to be looking screen left, which made a face-to-face -face talk impossible to film. So Coaster mm -hmm. had a window set piece brought in, and he filmed it from outside, and both looking out in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Grant behind Young. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so the next day, producer Sammy Goldwyn visited the set after seeing dailies and berated Coaster for shooting the scene in that manner. Coaster replied by asking Young and Grant to explain why the scene was shot that way. So after both told Goldwyn about the right and wrong sides of their faces, Goldwyn said, quote, look, if I'm only getting half a face, you're only getting half a salary. Stormed <laughs> off the set. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, honestly, that 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 was a bunch of nonsense. So I understand. Yeah, I understand I'm with the like, producer on this. One. Yeah, like, what, what are you doing? Just show their faces. And also, like, you know, in cartoons and stuff, they're like, "Oh, make sure you get my good side." Anytime they're on camera, is that a thing? People actually get that worried about the good side because I don't. The good side from of me, I think, is from behind. So, and that's not. A, that's not. A, oh, I agree. That's not to say that I have a dump truck. That's to say that you know what the good side of me is off camera. You got a dumps like a truck. Truck. Yeah. Truck. Yes. Thank you for. Thank you. Yes. Very good. Anyway, so the subject of right and wrong sides never came up again. Okay, that's good. Because <laughs> maybe you should be worrying about something else, director man, whose name I forget already. Henry Coaster. Henry Coaster. Which I could be saying the name wrong. It could be Coster. It's K-O-S-T-E-R. But I don't care. The book that this movie is based on gets far more carried away with the relationship between the angel and the bishop's wife. Oh, wow. So the movie never carries it beyond flirtatious banter and wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, after all, in 1947, there was just film censors to please, yeah. right? But it makes me curious to read this book. Like, how carried away did it get? Yeah, exactly. Are they having orgies? What are they doing? I don't know. Angel, angel things. There's angel. They they're known for their horniness. Actually, yeah. aren't in Dogma they don't have any junk. That's true. That's true. Well, you don't need you don't need all the equipment to to to, to do stuff. That's true. They've got their mouths. Um, yeah. So, Cary Grant was a persnickety perfectionist. And so I read that and I was like, well, I'm definitely leaving persnickety perfectionist in. Yeah. I'm absolutely. not going to reword that because that's amazing. Um, but Cary Grant a was a. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's just a quote. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cary Grant was a persnickety perfectionist on the set. And this clashed with an equally difficult to get along with Loretta Young. In fact, they couldn't stand each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> So in one scene set in the bishop's office, Cary Grant stopped the filming when he declared that, quote, since it's supposed to be winter, shouldn't the windows look like it? Mm -hmm. End quote. And so the cast had to wait to resume filming until the prop guys could quickly frost the windows. Okay. I, you know, it's hard. I'm like, I get it. I get where he's coming from. But at the same time, not your job, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I do know that filming movies is like you don't necessarily i know it's a lot of waiting around but also like once you get going i would be annoyed having to stop yeah. okay neat i'll stay i'll sit here it really is a lot of waiting around yeah and just think before the days of smartphones this is yeah. 1947 so the iphone was not quite out yet not quite next year so they just sit there looking at the wall and they're like anybody got a newspaper well, you know what they probably did? just kind of started yeah the well actually yeah probably international business machines so before filming started david niven lost his young wife unexpectedly due to a car accident or not his not his loretta young wife no not it's a, it wasn't a, I, I due to an accident at a hollywood party 
leaving. Oh, did, you, did you fall off a boat? It's always happening with those guys. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. But if you're, if you're a young actress, avoid parties. <laughs> in it, general. it left him a widower with two young children. Okay. How young was his wife that the children were? <laughs> How young were the children? Were the children the same age as the wife? I'm so confused. Yes. So now potentially as a result of this, he was he was apparently he wanted nothing to do with the children. He's basically you on set. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just put a different spin on my dislike of kids. I'm gonna be nicer from now on. You've taught me you've taught me a Christmas lesson. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with people who like, you know, treat kids like crap. So I'll be nicer. <laughs> well, um, he actually asked to have them kept away from him. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of ruining this movie for me. Already <laughs> young and Cary Grant didn't get along. David Niven hates children. Jesus. <laughs> well, his, his wife had just died, you know, maybe it was a reminder for him. Fuck these kids. Um, but over Cary Grant's protests, a skating double wearing a mask with Grant's features was used in the long shots of the of the complex skating routine. You know what? I will say that is it's obvious that it's a double of some kind. Right. It's very clear. I just think it's hilarious that he was protesting it. He's like, no, I want to do the skating stunts. They're like, can you skate? He's like, yes. <laughs> he's the Steve McQueen of ice skating. Yeah. He's like, I always do my own skating. <laughs> okay. Sure. I like how what was this mask like? Did they did they make a special Cary Grant mask? Did they go to the Halloween store? It was the first Mission Impossible mask. I see. Oh wow. That was actually pretty good quality, honestly. For <laughs> pretty good quality for 1996 or whatever. It was probably excellent quality for 1947. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we got one more quote notable. Mm -hmm. And that is that this was the only best picture Oscar nominee of that of 1947 of of the 1947 films to not be nominated in any of the writing categories. Oh darn! Well, that's it for the Poe Notables. Let's go on to the movie overview. Movie overview. So, when did you watch this? This time or the first like time I ever saw it? This time. Uh, yesterday. So, did you notice the music really hits you right in the beginning? Mm -hmm. It was very <laughs> just like, boom. I was like, oh, shit, okay, we got music. A little startling. It's it's Old movies are fun because the credits are at the beginning. Yeah. And then at the end, it's just like a quick, ah, oh, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> um, it was kind of fun. They're like showing the town basically yeah it's almost like a slice of life from 1947 right in the beginning here it's a it's a nice little christmas moment huh yeah well they're looking at the window displays and everybody's mm -hmm. like excited about it which apparently yeah. that's still a thing in new york city yeah um we used to go to um you know you can walk down fifth avenue and see just you know incredible beautifulness and then go to rockefeller center for instance and st patrick's is right there and uh but i don't know I don't know. We used to go to Macy's and look at the window displays. They were often extremely elaborate, but I don't know about smaller places. Well, that's the thing is, I, I think that it was more common for that to just be the your, case. It just your neighborhood. Yeah, but I, you know, that's not a thing that we deal with anymore. It's like, whoa, what's the window dressing like on Amazon? Yeah, cool. <laughs> Maybe the mall if we still have a mall if it hasn't gone under where you live. Yeah, actually, the malls over here are still bustling. 
Yeah, our, our, the mall in here is actually very, very much so too. But then you go some other places, and it's like, wow, this mall has four stores, and otherwise it's just empty. It's extremely depressing. Well, anyway, quick, quick, uh, notable of my own before I forget. Um, I don't know that we want to leave it in, but I'm just telling you, my mom was named after Laura Young. Really? Like named after her in that my grandma liked the name because of Laura Young. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. When I hear the name Loretta. I mean, other than, you know, your mom, mm -hmm. uh, I always think of my, you remember Bruce? Yeah. Well, his parents had a little you know, uh, Westie mm -hmm. and uh, the Westie would always howl whenever he yeah. said, whenever the Bruce's mom would go, Loretta. Was that the dog's name or was it completely random? It was just a, like, they went to this friend's house whose name was Loretta. And uh -huh. I guess, or I don't know exactly what happened, but that like they were like yelling for Loretta and he just started mm -hmm. howling. And okay. so forever after that, she would go, Loretta, and then he would just start howling. That's extremely random. <laughs> it's just so funny. His name was Toby. So here's a funny. So when I think of Loretta, I think of a guy my mom used to date's parents had a dog whose name was not Loretta, but used to howl if you said Loretta. <laughs> That's what you just said to me, is what I'd like to say. <laughs> I want to get that across. Oh, that's funny because I didn't realize how ridiculous that was until you put it like that. It's pretty ridiculous. I'm okay with it, though. So, meanwhile, my story was like my mom. <laughs> You're telling me about Bruce's parents' dog who's long dead at this point. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, You're welcome. So we have uh, Christmas displays. Uh, Ronnie Young stops and looks at them. It's very, it's picturesque. Well, she's obsessed with this freaking hat. And yeah. then, um, so we're going to see Cary Grant, right? And he's, uh, he helps a blind guy walk across mm -hmm. the street with some great blind acting. Oh, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, why is he walking him across? The, like, couldn't you have waited for cars to stop, you know? <laughs> true but it has to show that he has angel powers yeah that they just stop yeah but to me that wasn't showing he had angel powers it just showed that like people were like oh shit there's somebody walking you know there's a fucking person i don't want to kill two people i don't know who i'm seeing more um really it's just it's a commercial for the how good the stopping power of the tires is that's yeah, that was why that the tire company ended up buying the absolutely they just wanted to advertise their their tires I'm like look at that um our tires did not kill Cary grant <laughs> or blind guy nobody cares about him yeah so then he's uh he's he basically is just walking around and stopping terrible things from happening right mm -hmm. and uh one is that this woman picks up her other kid and lets the the yeah. stroller go the stroller yeah. going into traffic yeah and then you know she's like my baby yeah. Right. I, I love how serious this guy. Like, you'd think you think that this would all be like really small, like inconveniences, maybe like just right. A, but it's like the use of people going to die. Yeah, it's killing a baby. <laughs> it's like okay, this guy, this got serious. A second in a second, if an angel wasn't on Earth, this baby would have died right in front of our one of our main characters. Um, yeah, and I like how she's like, "Thank you for doing that." And he's like, "Just don't let it happen again." Well, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of with him, you know? <laughs> like, you do need to be more careful when it comes to dead babies, in my opinion. 
<laughs> Why? Well, I thought, well, how nice and condescending of him to respond that way. But also, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, just it was. Stroller. It, it was a little condescending, but at the same time, it'd be funny if uh, if he hadn't caught the stroller and it went into traffic and it got hit and it was just cans. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. It's just that's speed, by the way, because anybody didn't get that reference. But um, <laughs> so. Now we're going to see Loretta. Mm -hmm. um, okay, okay. If you do that every time you say Loretta now, that's going to be that. Oh, I'm done with this podcast. I'm retiring. Um, she's ogling a hat, you know? Ogling a hat. Yeah, she's lustful after this hat. Right. And then he stands right next to her, and she's just like, there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. Which I guess, you know, I guess he's an angel, but at this point, everybody else has seen him. Yeah. So I'm like, does she not see it? There's a guy standing right next to you. Mm-hmm. Like looking directly in your face, by the way. So. <laughs> you know, I, I've always felt like people in old movies stood kind of too close to one another sometimes. You ever see like they'll like go up right next to each other and men have this habit of just like grabbing women and touching them. And I don't mean grabbing them like violently, just being like too familiar and touchy. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I miss those days, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harvey Weinstein over here. Yeah, exactly. Um so then, you know, we get in. We see, now we're going to meet the professor. She goes into the, the I guess, Christmas tree Christmas shop. Tree shop, yeah. It's like an indoor, like in a recessed area. Well, yeah. Right. And he's got like the shittiest little tree ever. Yeah, I love it's it. It's a tree. I love it. And then he's like, <laughs> he's like, no, I won't pay a dollar eighty. I'll give you ten cents a branch. Mm. And in my head, I'm like, wouldn't that be more than a dollar eighty? Um, but you know they 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 answer that question later because like a little bit later he counts the branch and he's branches mm -hmm. and he's like dollar forty. <laughs> so he just got under there. So it's, it's, <laughs> I like this actually. Same forty cents. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the day that was like a movie ticket. That that's true. Um, that's that's how much it made internationally. <laughs> At forty cents a ticket, how many people went to see for sixteen dollars? Can you do this math in your head? I can't. Uh, oh, actually, don't actually. This is a fun introduction <laughs> to the professor. I enjoy this introduction. And this is when I said that it's funny that people avoided the movie because it was too religious. Here's a point where one of the things I really like about this movie is how weirdly okay it is with not being super religious. Because the bishop's wife here, she's obviously religious. She knows the professor well. They're excited to see each other. And then she says, you're buying a Christmas tree. I thought you had no religion. And I like this right. because she doesn't apparently, and we found out later, the bishop also knows him and their friends. They don't apparently don't like force a religion on him. He's not religious. They don't care. They're still friends. I like it. Like it really makes me happy. That is nice. Actually. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, yeah. But we, we see that Julia is, uh, seems to be real worried about her husband. She's worried about her husband and, and well liked by the community. We find that too. Right, and she's unhappy. Unhappy. And then I can't remember the word the professor uses, but he's he's like, oh, you know, he's talking to Cary Grant now, and he's telling he's like giving him a rundown basically on what's going on in her life. Yeah. Which I was confused by. So it was like, so at this point, he hasn't. He's not answering a prayer. He's just walking around in this town. Yeah. And he doesn't know about them. Yeah. So. Well, kind of odd. My, my my thought is that the Lord 
knew that 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 David Niven was going to make his prayer soon. Well, praise Jeebus. Um, so, but he, the professor says he spends all his time with the vulgar rich. Is that what mm -hmm. the word he used? Was a vulgar? I believe so. I liked that. Mm -hmm. Um. And I guess this is why, you know, we're, they're giving us the background here on why Julia is unhappy. Mm -hmm. So she's going to come in. We're going to see the vulgar rich here, right? Just, mm -hmm. just a group of very severe people. Yep. Mostly old women, right? I think. Yeah. yeah well, right. Middle-aged to older women, and they're just very, like, dour. Yeah. Like, okay. Um. And then Mrs. Hamilton here is like a real just a jerk. She's a, she's not she's a piece of work is what she is. Yeah, and she wants they're vulgar because you know they they want to glorify themselves themselves over you know just making a nice church, right? And he he does stand up for himself with her. Yeah, the bishop. That's the thing. It's it's sometimes the movie you know the other characters act like he's just like bending over backwards for her. But he's trying, you know. I, right. I, also, I also like that they show him as like he's trying to juggle all of these things that are important to him. Yeah, I mean, he's like obsessed with the. Uh... Yeah, he's too obsessed with the cathedral, but and like that's the problem. But he's not like completely like gone, you know. Right, not till towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, it's so fascinating to me. Like when I, whenever I see older movies, everybody has a living made. I know. Yep, everyone has a living made. I, I assume that's just because they made movies about rich people, for the most part. Like, who cares yeah. about poor people? I guess so, right? I mean, that's that's same with liter literature, you know. Yeah, right? true. So, well, when you think about it, in the olden days, you know, rich people did a disproportionate amount of the important things that you would actually talk to them about. Because yeah, poor people, poor people had no opportunity to be interested. Yeah, well, that should still remain the same. I don't know why it's not. <laughs> Ideally. Ideally, there'd be no rags to riches story. There'd just yeah. be riches. Just riches to more riches. Exactly. Slash equal riches. So, like, the whole American dream thing is, is silly. But not because, you know, it doesn't exist anymore, but because you shouldn't want it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we've started a podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm not hoping to become mega rich. I just, you know. Oh yeah, me either. I want to just do this as a job. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this bishop is a real dick. Yeah, he's not very nice at the beginning. You know, it's funny because he's not like overly a jerk. You know, mm -hmm. he's not like so bad, but he's definitely like, come on, dude. You know, it, like be nice to your wife. Yeah, he's just not interested in interacting with his family at the moment, which is nice. Yeah, I think it's pretty nice of him. Yeah. It's just um, David Nivenwood's character acting. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, uh, method acting is what I mean. Right, right. He, he decided to become a method actor and said, that's why he was treating the kid like shit on, on set. Yeah. Like, exactly. I'm, too, I'm so focused on this movie, I can't bother with my wife and kid, although the wife's dead. That's probably what happened to Cary Grant, too. Yeah. He was probably because he was originally the husband, right? So mm -hmm. he was like, he was like, really having a hard time getting out of not hating her. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> the end of the movie was terrible when they make up. <laughs> so um, he says about eating dinner, let's go in and get it over with. <laughs> like, okay. 
He's, and like, is he? I don't understand this this work he's apparently doing. Like, that's again, what I said too. I'm like, what work exactly do you have? Yeah, I know he has to go places and meet these people, but right now he isn't. Right, right now, apparently, he's, was he planning something? Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna meet this person. Then I'm gonna meet that person. <laughs> Lots of work happening. Yeah. Meanwhile, they have the live-in maid, and they have the secretary who's in the other room of their house because that's where his office is. Right. Exactly. And also. Where's the chicken? Yeah, good point. <laughs> you know, he's she's like, oh, the chicken's gonna be burnt. The chicken's gonna be burnt. This is so terrible. And and those are just like, here's some soup. Yeah, just like, like fruit some, salad. Some soup that was like, you know, water that they were <laughs> that they were drink drinking with a spoon. Yeah. It was here's it was your very ball. Small yeah. ball. Small yeah. bowl, too. Like yeah. And then he, you know, so he goes into his office to work and he ends up, you know, having to take a call. Or no, he ends up having to take this call from Mr. Whoever the fuck. Yeah. And uh then it's like, oh, I have to set this meeting up. And I'm like, oh, I see. He just canceled his the walk with his wife that he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. He promised and then canceled immediately. Can I just say I want this library that he has? Oh, I know. Isn't it nice? It's like awesome. I want it very badly. Kind of want the whole house. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I want the whole house too. But like, if I could just have the library, I would. I would deal with that. I know. I know you. Just the library. No living room. No bedroom. Just I live there. Well, yeah. Okay, I live in sure. the library. <laughs> so we're gonna talk to Carrie. He's coming. He's gonna show up in the amazing library. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And well, uh, yeah. he says yeah. he doesn't have wings. Yeah. And I'm like, didn't they do this last year? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm just expecting somebody to be like, "Hey, Clarence." Um, but also, do they just have terrible names for angels? Yeah, angels have stupid names. That's that's how it goes. Clarence well, Dudley. Well, well, I think it might have been purposeful because you know in the actual Bible, angels have like you know fancy names like yeah, Galadriel. Yeah. So um, in this one, they're just you know, hi, hi, I'm Dudley. Like. Right. Maybe that's maybe angels are really bad at making up fake human names, you know? That could be. Like they're like, oh, I'll come up with a plausible human name. I know I'll be Dudley, first name and last name. I think it would be funnier if they like didn't stay up with the times and they're yeah. like, I'm Cato. <laughs> Cato the younger, the very much younger. Yeah, exactly. Then <laughs> you know he's talking to he's talking to the bishop here. And then he takes like a very obvious pause in speaking when he looks at the wife's picture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's already kind of being like, <laughs> yeah, being a little kind of gross. Maybe and, help your wife out with her issues as well. <laughs> <laughs> She's been praying for an orgasm, and I plan to deliver. Mm -hmm. um, but it is funny that sort of David Niven's facial act, Nevin's Niven's facial acting here is kind of uh, kind of fun. Because mm -hmm. it's like he's like, he's like, what? It's like he's picking up on it, but at the same time, he's still kind of like flummoxed by the facts of the fact that this guy just showed up, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, he's like, like, why are you looking at my wife? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Wait, wait, hold on a second. I'm okay with you being, well, you know, it, it confuses me in movies when you're, you get this religious person who I presume believes in God and angels, right? Mm -hmm. And then he's skeptical that it's an angel. Like, I get it, because you don't just want some rando walking into your house being like, I'm an angel. But, like, already Dudley has has done some things that, like, are very, very not human. 
like the just appearing and everything. Like, right. Like, why are they always so like you're not a real angel? Like, what? what, what like, why is it okay in theory, but not when it's right in front of you? I don't know, maybe it's just me. Well, I did think it was funny that he was like, "Well, you can't tell people that, uh, you know, that he's been that you've been visited by an angel." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Well, why not?" <laughs> literally, <laughs> how religions start. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it, has he has he prevented him from saying the word angel yet? I can't remember. I he he's going to in a little bit when yeah. uh, when they meet with Julia again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I just was like, man, Dudley really wants to bang this dude's wife. I, I think that I, I can only imagine how bad it is in the book, because I think even here there it's not so bad, but they definitely go a little too far with him being too interested in Julia, like right off the bat. Yeah, I thought so, too. And then she, this is where she said, what's the rest of Dudley's name? And I'm mm. like, the rest of Dudley's name? That's a really weird way to ask. What's his last name? Yeah, I think that's how they used to say it, because I I come across things like that in old movies and books and things like that. And uh, it, They it used was, to say, what's the rest of this person's name? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I believe I've heard <laughs> that. Funny before. way to ask. Yeah, well, you know, they they. I'm reading a book right now that takes place in the 40s, and just, it also takes place in England, so maybe English people are weird, too. But just the way they phrase things sometimes, it's, I'm just like, whoa, I would never think to phrase it that way. <laughs> Can you not believe it? Um, <laughs> I was actually, I, this is the first time I noticed the uh, the music. In the, mm. Well, not the first time I knew, because I noticed it in the beginning, because how could you not? But um, mm. the music when the bishop is nervous at dinner, mm. it was, it, it almost seemed kind of magical. Yeah. I liked it. I was I was into it. I was I was digging the music in this scene. And then he apparently didn't sleep because he's dreaming of Cary Grant. I get it. Um, <laughs> we all were. And uh, this is when his staff goes. Nobody expects him to be normal. He's a bishop. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Why is that mean he's not normal? Or do we already have a sense of what priests are like? I guess I think yeah I think he's got higher you know more celestial things to worry about. <laughs> um, it sure seems like being a bishop is pretty well respect respected in this uh, town. Yeah, I gotta say I don't know what religion this is, and I don't know much about the Christian I religion. Episcopal. Okay, so I don't know what that is, <laughs> but um, I'm Episcopal is the Protestant version of Catholicism. It's like the closest to Catholicism, like. Protestantism gets well, yeah, it certainly seems like it because he dresses kind of priestly, and you know, they're looking for and he's not Jason Priestly, he just dresses it, <laughs> which is just fabulous. But, um, yeah, he, he uh, I mean, he wants a cathedral, he you know, is a bishop. I don't understand how a lot of this stuff works, and yet he's married, so yeah, and has right. a child, and has a yeah, and has a child, he's Presumably got uh, virgin birth. You know, yeah. I was gonna say he has the looks of Ian Zeering, um, but anyway, Ian Zeering has the looks of David Niven. You mean? <laughs> you know what's funny about David Niven is that I, I've I've read a couple books by this author who writes historical fiction called oh. David Evan. Oh, yeah. So I keep like getting it confused, and it's funny because I'd never really heard of David Niven before mm -hmm. before I read this book. It was called 1812 by David Nevin. Mm -hmm. And I was, I really enjoyed it. And um, my grandma 
I was like, so I was talking to my, my mom was talking about what I was reading or something. And, and she was like the actor. I'm like, who the fuck mm -hmm. actor are we talking about? here? <laughs> There's no actor, David Nevin, you old bag. <laughs> and now I know <laughs> she wasn't just crazy. Well, she was <laughs> still kicking. Yeah. 99 well, still going. That's pretty incredible. I don't know how people do it. I don't either. I'm basically done, and I'm, what, 60 years younger than that? <laughs> I'm basically done. <laughs> yep, that's about it. So these, they really make the help out to, like, like we love our family, this, you know, family we work for. This is not our family. I don't know if we have families off at home, but. Well, they're always talking about how they have to go buy Christmas gifts, and it's like, mm -hmm. well, who, who do they give them to? Because they're there all the time. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe the fam maybe the bishop. They're, they're like expecting Christmas gifts from the, yeah, help. From the help. That would be just, that would be just that would be just like the rich. My maid didn't they... even give me a gift. Fire her. Does he ever actually work in the church? No, just at his house, his house office. Which well, he has so much work to do. Yeah, he's just and whenever he has work to do, he walks in there and stands like for a second. It's like, oh, I'm busy looks at the cathedral painting yeah exactly it goes over to the fireplace or whatever i don't know if it's over a mantle i can't remember but look at all this work i have to do <laughs> that's that's what he does because he has to do work he doesn't want to hang out with his shitty family so he goes into the office and stands there and there's his space his shitty uh, family fuck me that's what he says <laughs> i guess the ladies really think dudley's handsome huh yeah, they seem to they they seem to uh to to indeed be quite taken with him. Even the maid is like, oh, Mister Dudley. Oh. I know the maid and the secretary. They're both yeah. just. Like, oh, I like the hole in your chin. Um, <laughs> you can see right through to your other side. Um, but uh, I did think it was a kind of a cute little thing at the in the doorway between Dudley and and uh, the bishop there. Mm -hmm. Where they're like, no, you go, no, you go, no, no, you go. You yeah, know, that was actually cute. There's, there's, there's little moments of comedy like that throughout this. I actually like it. It's I do too. There's a lot of little comedic things that they throw in, mm -hmm. including nice quips. Yeah, there's some decent, some decent quips. It's uh, I like that they don't go overboard though. It's not like constant like silliness, just not a little bit of silliness. Working. Yeah, and then and then then we go on to some more serious content matter or whatever. Now with the women, do you think? Um, with the women, do you think it's it's is he's so handsome, or do you think it's that partly that like they sort of sort of sense the angel it? thing? Yeah, I think it's I think they were more. going for the angel thing, but then it yeah. turns into like this sort of fawning. That yeah, weird. Yeah, that's the thing. They could have toned it down a tiny bit, just like they could have toned down his lusting after after. Yes. Um, because at the end, it's sort of Julia. Yeah. yeah. At the end, it it sort of gives it the impression that he thinks that she's a wonderful person. Which is all well and good, but like when he's just looking at her at the beginning, it's like you don't know she's a wonderful. It looks person. creepy. Yeah, like stop with the staring, maybe you know. Yeah, that's all. But th these are pretty minor points. <laughs> they are, they are. But he definitely looks creepy at times. Um, I, wonder, I wonder how this played in 1947 because we might be thinking of it in a little bit more of like a. I think they yeah. used a projector. <laughs> <laughs> John, ladies and gentlemen, he'll be here all week. He has nothing better to do. Uh, so, you know, it's actually a really good one. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm making fun, but now I'm mad I didn't think of it. <laughs> um, you know, there's a there's part now, like, so he's like, I'm not going to be able to make 
the walk or lunch or whatever it was. Yeah. And she's like, you, you promised. And I'm like, well, he didn't, he didn't promise shit, lady. <laughs> I don't remember him promising anything to you. He just like suggested it. And you were like, that sounds nice. <laughs> and then you just left and assumed that he was in agreement. Yeah. It was like, you know, he didn't go, I promise I will do this. I can just imagine you being the bishop and she's like, but you promised it. Or actually, you know what? Maybe this is your real life too. You know, people are like, you promised me. And you're like, bitch, I didn't promise shit. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe not quite like that, but yeah, that's kind of, yeah. That's kind of what I'm like. Go for I, don't promise, I don't promise unless I know I can, can keep it. Yep. Okay. I guess that's a good point. But um and so so then Debbie, little Debbie, um, which is fun, by the way, Delicious. she comes <laughs> she comes down the stairs and she's talking to Dudley a bunch. And uh and then Julia comes down. This is the next morning, I guess, or no, I don't know where we're at at this point, but Julia comes down and then the first thing she says is, That'll be enough out of you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Very loving. Yeah, fuck these kids, I'm telling you. Well, did you, I mean, did you notice that like the whole story is basically her just being like, ah, I don't need to spend time with my kids. I'm a wonderful person who does not want to be with my daughter. Well, I think that was the olden days for you. You think so? Or, or is it the olden days for rich people? It's the olden days for rich people. That's exactly, that's entirely it. Just hands off with the kids, I guess. You know, go, go hang out with Elsa or whatever her name is, please. <laughs> I'm busy. I have this handsome man to hang out with. Right, exactly. Okay, mom. It's <laughs> great. I'm gonna you know, loved and feeling, you know, wanted. <laughs> you know what's funny about that too is the acting you just did was kind of about as good. Well, uh, it's that's just me though. I'm a I'm a fantastic actor. Well, I was saying the child acting was not so great, but you know, oh, I you were saying I was good. Mm -hmm. Son of a bitch. I think we've established at this point that you reading lines is not great. Um, hey, <laughs> I do improv work. Me and Adam I was going to say, I mean, if you, if it's an improv thing, you'll you'll be great. I would be terrible. Well, we'll play the same characters just for any improv parts. I'll be in it. And then for any there you parts, go. they'll bring you in. And nobody you'll will know. My, you'll be my improv double. <laughs> <laughs> the improv stand, call the improv stand in. And then yeah. like, I come in like Robin Williams, all like frantic. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know. And the, the audience is supposed to not notice that you're, yeah. you know, like five inches shorter than me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they're like, okay, this is strange, but I guess I'll roll with it. It's like experimental. It's like that movie they made where like the six different actors all play Bob Dylan. Yeah, I'm not there. Yep. I thought you were saying that about yourself. And I was like, no, wait, that's the title of the movie. That sure is. Kate Blanchett plays mm -hmm. Bob Dylan. I wonder what Bob thought of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. He probably thought, give me money. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he thought. I mean, he just sold his whole catalog of music for like hundreds of millions of dollars. So yeah, all these all these musicians are selling their catalogs of music. It's like even Katy Perry did it recently. I'm like, she has a catalog of music, isn't it? Yeah. To Eye of the Tiger and something. I don't know. Um, I, I don't either. <laughs> I think you're thinking of. I think you're thinking of a uh, Survivor. Yeah, that's no. You're talking about the band. I'm talking about the band. Yeah, yeah. The, All right. Well, so boxing-based band. We're gonna get some uh, amazing <laughs> the boxing-based band. I, why didn't they have any of them in a uh, Million Dollar Baby? That's but a good so, point. so we had some amazing special effects with the cards. 
here. I thought it was okay, given the sign. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't actually bashing. I thought oh, it was okay. kind of neat that they did that. I mean, yeah. it's silly. I'm I'm making fun because it's a little, you know, it's silly yeah. by today's standards. Moment, yeah. But at the time, I'm I'm think, I'm picturing like people in the theater being like, "How did they do that?" Movie magic. Yeah, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, also, I I enjoyed that like when they show the snowballs hitting the ground, they just stay snowballs. Mm-hmm, when we yeah. get to the snowball scene, like, That's oh, those point. aren't snowballs at all, are they? Nope. <laughs> They're uh, just balls that look like snow. Um, but yeah, I actually felt bad for the kid when she was like, Man, nobody wants me. <laughs> well, that's her life. Her, her mother's always fobbing, what's the word I'm looking for? Pawning her off on the Pawning, maid. Yeah. She gets more attention from this random angel than she does the mom. I like that it's a random angel. <laughs> Just some angel comes down. He doesn't seem to be a big angel. He's not Metatron or something, you know. <laughs> He's just Dudley. No, that's Alan Rickman. You're thinking of. That is who I'm thinking of. I wonder, I wonder uh, if Dudley has any, uh, like you said, if Dudley has any, any anything down there, or if he's just smooth like a Barbie doll, like a Ken doll, like a Ken doll. But Barbie dolls are Look, are similar. He's to he's Knuff. All right. Okay. He is he is Knuff. I think everyone agrees. There's no doubt about this. With the way all the women look at him. And it's like every time Elsa or whatever her name is meets him, she's like, oh, Mr. Dudley. Oh, like, I know. Mildred? Yep. Oh, that's, her, that's her name. I don't know why I keep thinking her name's Elsa. You know what? The actress might be Elsa. It doesn't matter. Point is, is that every time she bumps into him, she has the exact same surprised to be in the presence of someone so handsome look on her face. Yeah, but did you see the fort, by the way, in this scene? Yeah. That's a badass fort. Yeah, that game looks fun, actually. It I did look like a lot of fun. I, I'm with her. If they had not let me play, I'd be like, well, shit. But you know what I actually know. Gets, you know what gets me about this part is that Dudley magics her into throwing the snowball really well. And, yeah, and um, then what's going to happen from then on? Yeah, she still can't throw. Maybe yeah. they just won't notice. Well, she pitched a curve. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really know if it was a curve or not, but that's besides the point. I thought it was funny that they said that. And yeah. I, also, I enjoyed it because, like, this is back when baseball was still, you know, the American sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you think she'll get hurt? Um, yeah, but she'll love it. Probably, but she'll love it. I like that. It was cute. Mm-hmm. And then Dudley basically trying to pick up the wife, you know? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He's like, hey, so uh, <laughs> I got all this shopping done. It was a miracle, you know? It was a, it was a miracle. And uh, you want to go to lunch or what do you want here? It was almost off-putting, actually, how kind of, like, creepy he was about it. Yeah, we're getting to a point. That's another slight issue I have with it, is that he's going a little bit too far out of his way to give them time alone together. Right? That's what I was thinking. It's not like, you know, it'd be, the time alone together doesn't help anyone. You know like, this is how he's using his powers? Yeah, exactly. You think that God would be like, uh, no, I sent you down there to help the bishop with the cathedral thing, and now you're hitting on the wife? What is this? <laughs> I actually quarterly review is not going to go well. So I actually, and I was thinking throughout that the, all the the whole point of this is basically that he's supposed to make the guy jealous, so he realizes how much he needs his wife. Yeah, but he it's a bit he 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 enjoys the making. It's a bit, the bit much. Yeah, it's a bit much. Um, and then they, so they go to this Michelle's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed, you know, you don't get any subtitles here, but uh, you could tell that the French guy <laughs> thought that it was sacrilege to mm. want Italian food. I yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know. And then, of course, they just have a palm reader that walks at the restaurant, giving out, you know, her 
business card, I guess. I, you know, this is the sort of thing I would love for some historical context. I don't know if we have any old That's listeners. What I was thinking. Who are adults in 1947? Seems unlikely, but um, <laughs> well, I, am I? I can yeah. ask my grandma. Yeah, she might know. Um, did the, was this a thing? Did a common practice? Did yeah. What, I don't understand. Just walk through restaurants and is like, she in the employ of the restaurant or is she just there? Because I imagine that's what no soliciting signs are all about. Just don't walk around giving out your palm reading services. Yeah, exactly. Because it's um, fucking weird. And then, so then he's like, "Oh, you want me to read your palm, right?" Mm -hmm. And then just stares at her face. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Talks about how man. beautiful she is, and I'm like, "This is creepy." Yeah, this would not go well on a date. I'm sorry. Every Every time I do this, it comes off really badly. <laughs> I mean, I don't have we don't look like Cary Grant, but still. A good point. Good point. We very much don't. Um, and yeah, then he's and like, youth and beauty are one and the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a little bit of a Which I thought was like, there. that's a weird comment. And then he says, the only people who grow old were born that way. Yeah. And I'm like, well, also a weird statement. Yeah. It, it, I get I, that it's like supposed to be metaphorical and poetic. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it's supposed to be nice, but I'm not sure it comes off that way, or at least not to us. Yeah, I was just kind of like, that's just weird and kind of mean to people. So basically, like, you're saying that the people that are old, the people that are born old, like, they've just got no chance. Oh, that baby's born old. Benjamin Button's just old. <laughs> <laughs> and I fuck this kid. He's already old. That was, that was David Niven's problem with the kids. Exactly. These kids are fucking older than I am. Get them out of here. <laughs> I only like young wives. Thank you. I did enjoy the the one of the next lines though. That was I'm at my most serious when I'm joking. Yeah, it's a, an, another cute, cute line. Yeah. And, and then, then he's like, like he goes over and gets the. Oh, go ahead. This is exactly what I was going to talk about. The uh, oh, okay. The, the 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 old biddies like toward the old biddies. <laughs> And I like how charming he is and gets them on his side. Yeah. And he orders a Benedict Benedictine and then he's like, no, get a stinger. And I'm like, what are either of those? Are they mixed drinks? Like what? <laughs> they sound like mixed drinks. Um, there's, there's a joke that probably you need the context for, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so then now they're, they've left the restaurant, they're walking around and he, they're talking about Santa Claus and he's like, Oh, I've known Santa Claus for years. Mm -hmm. And, I can't tell if she just believes him here because it seems like, oh, haha, yeah, you'll have to tell Debbie. But then later she's like, yeah, Debbie, he knows Santa Claus. I don't know. It just felt like she, he knows Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Nice chap. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. you really do know Santa Claus. Okay. Because I know Santa Claus. I don't know about you. I don't actually. I've never met him. I uh, know the guy who is the Santa Claus for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh. Wow. And. Yeah, we uh, we, I haven't spoken to him in years, but I do know him, and he's a he's an extremely nice man. That's just well, that's nice, actually. I'm yeah. glad that that's the case, actually. Um, I, was, I yeah. thought you were going to be like he's a real dick. No, I'm first of all, I'm being serious. Second of all, um, no, he's so nice, and I, I'm sad that like we didn't keep up with him. But oh well, I don't keep up with anybody. <laughs> Basically, you and Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Um. So now we're we we're going to talk to the professor again. Mm -hmm. And um, he just keeps refilling his drink. Yeah, it's not cute. But I didn't really understand. All. I was like, is he trying to get him drunk? Um, yeah, <laughs> get him drunk, and then me and Julia will be alone. 
Right. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. But then, like, later in the movie, and we're skipping ahead here, but he says, I can drink as much of this as, as I want, and I don't get inebriated, and it never empties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, maybe he's just doing a nice thing for the professor who enjoys a nice a nice brandy or whatever it is. A nice sherry. Um, a nice sherry, it is, yeah. But I did think it was funny when the professor's like, we don't seem to be making any headway. <laughs> yeah. Is this the part I can't I can't remember again because I get I've seen this movie a lot and I sort of get confused exactly when what happens. I like that the I think this is the part where the professor is like, you know, I don't think I actually know you. I'm being just Yeah, that is I'm this being, is the part. I like I like the honesty of it, the upfrontness. I think you're lying. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not lying. And I think you are. <laughs> I enjoy that because he's not like fucking around anymore. He's like, hold on a second, actually. I meant to call like, you. I don't know you there. from from Vienna. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't believe you've ever been in Vienna in your life. <laughs> I don't know what he says. But then he just believes him when he tells him the story about the coin. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Because it's just uh, like, yeah, of course. I, I kind of like that slightly unbelievable things are happening around Dudley and people are, you know, they're not not noticing, but. Right. It's, it's I also like, little... like I, I don't buy that the bishop wouldn't have seen commercial value in an old Roman coin, by the way. Yeah, that's true. It, it's clearly not like just a quarter, you know? Yeah. It's like. Why would you just drop that on the floor? I mean, that's yeah. like that's There's, like a lot of money right there. That's another moment where the bishop comes off as meaner that I think he should have. Where he's like, ah, stupid coin, fuck this thing. Yeah. Like, okay, geez. And then and then he's gonna say do the starlight, star bright thing. And I'm like, geez, they're seeing stars already. So they've been out all day mm-hmm. at night. Yep. And what about the kid? Yep, she has seen her kid for roughly 10 minutes today. <laughs> the entirety of the day. Otherwise, she's been out with this man and they hung out with the presser for a while. I do enjoy, though, that as they're leaving, you know, he says, God bless you to uh, mm. to Carrie here. And, and uh, Dudley, sorry. And Dudley goes, I'll pass the recommendation along. <laughs> That's another That's cute one. Cute. Um, and then we come back and there's Henry and looking very severe. As I would, I would feel a little severe, too. Yeah, I think he's got reason to be upset. Even given the fact that he's an angel or whatever. It would be like, I, you know, what the fuck? Well, then again, maybe Henry's just getting a dose of his own medicine here. Yeah. You know, like, you know, oh, she was too busy to hang out with you, Henry. Him. Yeah. She had I all this sure stuff. That's, to- that's kind of the point, I think. But it still yeah. just feels weird. Yeah. You came down to Earth just to try to fuck my wife? What the hell? I mean, she's over there giving Dudley googly eyes like Casper baby pants. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> Casper baby pants, famous for his lust of angels. <laughs> well, the googly eyes, anyway. Yeah. Um, so now she's uh, she's brushing her hair. Mm-hmm. And um, this gets weird. This is a weird area for compliments, I think. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I really like the way, or he starts, first of all, it catches me off guard because he goes, it's rather gay. And then she goes, well, I feel gay. And I'm like, well, this movie's going a different direction. It's the olden days. It's it's so startling, though, isn't it? Because it just so does not mean that anymore. Yeah, it really does not at all. It, It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean gay and also happy. It just stopped meaning happy at some point. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it means the same genitals are touching. Yep. It um, means it means homosexual, and that's all it means, which is fine. It's just it is startling. It's like when people say queer, same thing. It's just doesn't mean no strange anymore. 
Yeah, that's right. Because people used to say that word pretty often in the olden days, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's queer. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, uh, excuse me, what'd you say? <laughs> it's what? It's <laughs> um, yeah, so then we get the weird compliment about how well she brushes her hair. Yeah. I'm like, that's... Henry, that's weird, man. Henry really knows how to compliment the woman. Yeah, clearly. You are great at brushing your own hair. And she's like, all right. I love that every time she gets a compliment, though, she's always like, oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah, she's kind of nice, you know. She is nice. You know, I mean, like, I don't understand why more women aren't like that. Like, you know, when I say you've got a nice ass, just say thank you. Just say thank you. That's all. I only compliment on their uh, hair brushing ability. Yeah. That's it. Not their hair, not their brush. Just the hair brushing ability. I feel like I just want to be clear that I don't say that to, to women. I just, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. that's. Uh, I said it because I thought it'd be a funny joke, and then I, it came out of my mouth, and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. So anyway, now we're, we're going to go back to uh, to Dudley, who's telling a story to little Debbie here, mm -hmm. to his, you know, with a little zebra cake and um oh man you made me want zebra cake style <laughs> zebra cakes are one of the, the are one of those things that i eat and then if i eat one i become addicted to them immediately i don't know oh, what it is have you had a zebra cake roll yet i don't think i have but it sounds good it's so good it's a swiss roll but zebra cake yeah i like swiss rolls too actually so i am uh zebra right rolls back. are amazing i'll be right back <laughs> so anyway yeah um the only part that i was like kind of like what is when Cary Grant says Bethlehem. And I'm mm -hmm. like, an angel doesn't know how to say Bethlehem? Here's another. I think that's just how they said it back then. It's just so fun because I, I don't know. Because, like, you sit there and you go, all right, were the old days weird or is just he weird? It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to know precisely. Well, then we get another little weird scene where, you know, Bishop Brahm is like, okay, call up uh, Mrs. Hamilton for me. And mm -hmm. then the woman goes, she's standing right there. Mm -hmm. And she goes, Mrs. Hamilton, Bishop Brahm. And then just mm -hmm. hands the phone over. I'm like, you're paying this woman to do this. You're you know, like, for all, right? all this work that you supposedly have to do, Henry, you could dial the phone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... You know, he's like trying to set up a time to meet her, and he's like, "Oh, that's that's not good," or whatever. I loved Carrie Grammy. Oh, that's terrible. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then it, it, you know, he's like, "Oh, it worked out. That's great." You know, like <laughs> his acting there was actually kind of fun. It was fun, and uh, I love the. I don't know. Dudley has like a little naughty streak in him, and I enjoy like the. Oh well, he's kind that. of a cad. He's kind he's of a cad. cad. Yeah, I love it. Um. I did like that he was being kind of a, a bit rough on Henry, though. Mm -hmm. You know, because he's being like, "You really need this. This is what you need." Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, that's actually a good point. And this is what Dudley should be down here doing, sort of making someone understand the actual priorities of right of of a, of a God loving life or something. I don't know. There's there's going to be. I don't want to get ahead of ahead of us here, but there's another part where that I really enjoyed um, that he said to. To, to Henry here, but I did think it was kind of messed up that he made Henry stay away by getting him stuck in that chair. Funny yeah. gag, but I was like, yeah. damn, that's messed up. Funny gag, but because um, he was like really going to make it there on time. Yeah, and, and now Henry looks like he's the dick again. Yeah, I'm like, I don't really understand this part. It is a fun gag, and I enjoy I enjoy um, 
widow Hamilton, whatever her name is. I enjoy her being like, well, I don't really know what to do here. Um, yes. <laughs> she's like old oldest butler on earth. Um, can you please get, I don't know what you should get, but get something. <laughs> uh, yeah, some solvents. Do we have solvent in the house? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're all out of turpentine. Yeah. So which um, apparently you have that normally. You're just out. Yeah. Um, um no, yeah, but like I feel I would feel the same way if somebody at my house were stuck in a chair like that. I'd be like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> just yank you off. That's the only solution I have, and or the solution that they eventually end up going with, which is taking off the pants. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you'd say yank you off because getting stuck in stuff is like a real fetish now. Oh, really? In porn, yeah. You haven't seen that? No. It's like <laughs> they get they get they get quote unquote stuck. In like under the bed or in a couch, and oh. then the guy comes in and is just like, "Oh well, there's a booty I can take." Okay, so um, okay, so that's nice. That's a good, that's a good, you know, unwilling participant being stuck against their will fetish. That's fun, but uh, I also <laughs> like the idea that men are just so fucking like just doop a doop a doo. Hey, a butt. <laughs> 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 Look, a, a rear end of a person. Oh, yep, female. Rah, 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 rah. Like that's the noise they make too. Rah. Yeah, it, it's a weird one, but it's yeah, it's a weird one. Um, so anyway, we get to the scene with the young boys here. Oh, I feel bad to go to that right <laughs> after. Was, I was like, wait, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the choir boys. The, the choir everybody boys, that's yeah. a priest that was listening to this was like, huh? <laughs> What's that now? We look this movie up quick. So, <laughs> so typing loudly. I tried. Yeah, to I did. I did. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, this the scenes with the young the scene with the young boys here is a little cheesy for me. It, really, I I think it's very nice. It's cheesy, but it works for me. Yeah, uh, it was. Although okay. I will, I will. It's a little strange how Dudley it goes on a little long. It's a little long. I agree with that. And it's a little strange how Dudley is like conducting them. Yeah, and it's like you're what I think the 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 whatever he is, the chaplain or whatever the fuck. I think he's the one who's supposed to be conducting them. You're just, you're just kind of taking over. Yeah, I. it was weird. Um, and then we go, we go back to, uh, to Henry here, and she goes, she's basically like, well, there's nothing we can do. So, you know, go have a chair. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? First of all, it's a weird way to put that, you know? Mm -hmm. Secondly... If you're gonna say it like that, I feel like you should have some like not like you wouldn't say that in this mm -hmm. situation, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't say have a chair when he's like, I guess I'll take this one, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean he does, I mean, does make that joke, right? Thank you. I have one. I have um, one, which is it's a cute joke, but it is a cute joke, but it's kind of silly that she would even say it. Um, so now we're gonna get back to uh Julia's obsession with this hat. Mm -hmm. And they get they get it at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then he even convinces an old woman, no, she's not, to not have it, but to not have it. But I like this part, this part because he doesn't use his angel powers here quite so much. He just convinces her she doesn't look good enough. How like, do you know he's he not using his angel powers? I took. I guess he, he was. I I I like. I mean, to me, he kind of goes over and he shakes his head, right? Yeah, he shakes his head in the mirror, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, that was a much subtler use of his angel powers than some of these. Is what I mean. Yeah. I hope they let her leave before they bought the hat. Then you know, <laughs> you just grab it right off her head. Thank you. 
Yeah, you don't look good in this. You need to be young. Yeah, you and booty and booty and beauty go together. <laughs> well, you know, you do you do need booty. <laughs> so so now uh oh actually at this point we, we haven't discussed the cab driver showing up because he's getting yeah. in a cab and Sylvester. uh Sylvester, yeah. And he's like, Okay, thanks, Sylvester. Yeah, hold on here, Sylvester, or whatever. And the cab driver's like, Okay, what? <laughs> Sylvester? <laughs> This actor, oh, this the guy who plays Sylvester, he, yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit overboard, but a little bit. I'm gonna assume that that's what they wanted from from these actors back then. That's just what I'm assuming because I feel like being nice. Well, I think, I think that you know, there's a whole era of acting in movies that is very mm -hmm. like you're on a stage. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, playing for the cheap seats, as it were. Yeah, exactly. It, they need to see your double take from way back there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. What? <laughs> Nobody can see because this is. I was gonna say this is radio. This is podcasting, which is kind of radio. But I, I did a big double take. Oh, oh. So um, and then they they're now they're talking to the Sylvester here, and then they almost hit a truck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sylvester should be paying attention, frankly. Yeah, exactly. And he says, "Hey, watch where you're going to the truck." I'm like, "But he was, you were." The truck was flying. It's like the truck driver is like, "Hey." <laughs> um, I also think like, did we need to see his powers here? Yeah, yeah. Like, we get it. He's an angel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Got we it. know what this is. Um. So. So then they they end up stopping at a at an ice skating area. Mm -hmm. um nice getting area <laughs> <laughs> um but she's and in this conversation she's talking about how she's she's feeling wicked mm. you know and i'm like okay so we've got some acknowledgement that this is weird you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but not quite enough in my opinion <laughs> when, she, when she gets out she's like oh i really am wicked and then he goes well if you are then so am i and that's impossible <laughs> I actually really like that. I, I like the idea that anything he does is by by nature fine since he's an angel, right? <laughs> so he's he's just banging her. Can't, this has got to be fine. I'm an angel, right? <laughs> he's like, it's fine. It's fine. You're an angel. Um, did you notice there was an orchestra playing here? Yeah, I did. Is again with the with the I don't is that because that's a bandstand? Is that common? Right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like is. Is it common for people like back then where people going out like, you know what? There's a low population, low density population area, right? Yeah. <laughs> there happens to be a frozen pond. Let's put <laughs> a band on this bandstand. And it's it's assuming, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's freezing out. Mm -hmm. Let's all go play brass instruments. <laughs> My lips is stuck to the trumpet. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is, uh... anyway. Um, so now we're going to get, you know, the stunt skater. Yep. Um, which was fun. You could tell that Cary Grant was actually kind of a good skater though. Yeah. Better skater than I am. So I'll say that much. Yeah, me too. Um, I think they, I think they did an okay job given the fact that it's obviously a stunt skater. I didn't, I didn't fault them for it. I don't really care. That doesn't bother yeah. me at all. You know, same. It's yeah, not same. The, if it's an action movie, you know, mm -hmm. I think I might be more like, uh, you know, try mm -hmm. harder, but <laughs> well, also if I'm the director or whatever, I'm thinking, I don't need this production to go on hold for four weeks. while carry your grants broken ankle. Exactly. Exactly. You know? It makes it's just no sense. Um, 
actually i saw a thing about this recently where like uh you know this guy was talking this i think as a stunt guy he was talking about like what people don't understand about tom cruise mm-hmm. and he was like <laughs> it's funny but <laughs> well he was like you know robert downey jr got injured um on the set of one of the marvel movies mm-hmm. he like twisted his ankle or something you know but production had to shut down for like four to six weeks mm-hmm. he's like and that cost millions of dollars yeah and the insurance company didn't want to pay for it mm-hmm. you know like you weren't supposed to be having him do stunts yeah <laughs> you have this 60 year old guy doing stunts why exactly yeah and so um tom cruise he covers the the production with his own money mm-hmm. so that he can do the stunts well i guess it's a it's his money you know it's just crazy or yeah. i don't know exactly it's like he covers like the the gray area of the he covers like the deductible or something you know mm-hmm. like yeah. he's like that and that's the only way the insurance will uh cover it well fair enough uh i don't know exactly what it is but it's just it was interesting so anyway we got um now we're gonna have a stunt skater for sylvester for sylvester yeah who was not good <laughs> well actually i, I think mean his, just... his skating was really good I, what yeah. i mean is like his his uh well i will get to it so we're doing some crazy stunt skating here which yeah. i thought was actually really good yeah, um, it's it's interesting to be able to pretend skate bad you know yeah yeah and and, but in like a comical way too because yeah. it's like you know he's staying up mm-hmm. like there's no way somebody actually stays up that whole time yeah except for um, angel magic but then uh so then dudley goes over to help and he says tells him to relax and he goes not collapse just relax <laughs> which i thought was cute, cute um, but then we get the physical overacting from the stuntman who yeah. like has his arms up like a zombie no <laughs> no no go no go Dudley, don't leave me yeah and then you'd think that would be enough but no the skating scene continues the skating scene was a bit long i'll agree with that it was like how long was it actually it was like maybe like five to ten minutes yeah and i think it was about 20 minutes too long um <laughs> the skating scene needs to be negative five minutes thank you yeah exactly um so then you know sylvester's gonna drop them back off at julia's home and uh you know he's dudley's like oh he's a good soul his children and his children's children will rise up and call him blessed mm-hmm. i'm like i don't know to me if if i'm the grandfather i'd be like well that's nice but can you just <laughs> i don't know say you love me <laughs> oh you're blessed. Well loved, huh? you're I, wish blessed. Someone, I wish someone would tell me they love me <laughs> they just say they're blessed every time they leave the nursing home so now the obsession with this hat continues right and she sees henry and she's like are you gonna say anything and he's like about what she's like the hat and he looks and he goes charming <laughs> i'm like and then, and she's like oh thank you you know <laughs> she easily complimented once again yeah exactly this is how he nabbed her in the first place he was like yeah sure you look yeah. you look adequate you look you look to be fair to be fair it's extremely adequate <laughs> um but here's the part that i really liked when he was like you kept me from seeing her you know mm-hmm. yeah 
And he goes, sometimes angels must rush in where fools fear to tread. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was talking about how basically like you could have asked me to represent you to yeah. Mrs. Hamilton and you didn't. So I represented you with your wife. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's actually kind of a badass line to say. And it's like, it never even occurred to Henry to ask Dudley to go do any of this business stuff. Cause Dudley's like, I'm here to help you with your business stuff. And then he's like, all right, fine. And let me go do my business stuff. Dudley's like, all right, I guess I'll just hang out. Right. Exactly. Cause like, I'm, I'm digging your wife anyway. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's like, you know, this, I feel like this happens sometimes in these types of stories where they're, they're like, Hey, can you go show my wife a good time? Yeah. And then they're like, you weren't supposed to fall for. <laughs> Should her a good time. What do you want? Yeah, it's like, well, it seems kind of stupid on your part. So, you know, Henry here is getting pretty angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, understandably so. Mm-hmm. Kind of his own fault, but still, I get why you're angry. Um. The thing that I didn't understand is like, you know, he sends, Henry sends him away and then Julia comes out and she's like, why did you fire him? Oh my God, I can't believe it. And I'm like, how do you not see how this would make Henry jealous? Yeah, you have to understand that staying out all day with a man would make your husband jealous. And also you notice and are perfectly aware that Dudley has done no work. Yeah, right, exactly. He's done nothing. How is he helping? Yeah, I feel like I would, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. You're firing the guy who not only is not working, but he's flirting with your wife. I get it. Yeah, exactly. I think that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Although I have yet to see Henry do any actual work also. That's all. Except for <laughs> panhandling. He's a, he, hey, Dudley, can you go stand in the library and stare at the painting for me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm swamped and I need to get that done. Can you organize these 15 index cards? Well, then that's that. That's apparently the whole day's work for the secretary. <laughs> I guess we're, we're headed to Christmas Eve now. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and, uh, you know, like everybody's so sad cause Dudley's not around and, um, they get the cab. Sylvester's just out there waiting, hoping for an ice <laughs> party. <Yeah. laughs> um, if, if, if taxi has taught us anything, Sylvester is losing, is losing his numbers or whatever it is. Yeah. Louie is definitely not going to let him keep using that cab. Yep. No, you can't just have a cab to go skating, hang out for your own personal game. <laughs> So now we're this all these talk about Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve, eh? It's Christmas Eve, right? And then Dudley is talking to uh, the secretary, mm-hmm. right? Because he's going to take, he's going to change the speech, yeah. the sermon. And um, he goes, "It's almost Christmas Eve." And I'm like, "Well, is it fucking Christmas Eve or is it almost Christmas Eve?" <laughs> Here's my assumption that I always went with: we think of Christmas Eve as being the entire day before Christmas. I think he's using it to mean the the evening before Christmas. Yes. So you have Christmas Eve day, but it isn't actually Christmas Eve until, you know, it's the sundown and it's the actual evening. That's my guess. Sure. I can't tell you that that's true. Yeah. Okay. That's (laughs) fine. I'm fine with accepting that. But so he's writing the sermon for him and he starts talking to the typewriter. Mm Mm-hmm which was enjoyable, but I, I especially like that. He goes, have you got that? <laughs> yeah. So now we've got, um, was it Matilda or was it 
Mildred? I don't know, the maid. One of them is Matilda and one of them one of them is Mildred. I think Mildred's the secretary and Matilda's the maid. Yeah, and they don't say the secretary's name that much. So Right. Well, she's missed something or whatever, yeah. Um anyway, but now Matilda's crying about Dudley mm-hmm. being back. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's that's perhaps, a bit much. Again, perhaps a bit much, yeah. I, I guess <laughs> that's the single magic though, you know what I mean? She just it's you know how they say that hell is the absence of God. Um this is like she feels the the light of eternal compassion when he's around and when he's not there it feels she feels a loss an absence are you religious <laughs> me no <laughs> not even remotely that was really like beautifully put <laughs> well like like many completely non-religious people i know a lot about religion so and everybody that's religious would say you don't know shit about it because you're not <laughs> religious which is fine it's, it's an outside perspective kind of thing Yep. Well, you know, because every other every other religion is a creation myth, mm-hmm. except for the religion that you practice. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, anyway, so now he's going to decorate the tree, and way too much. Yeah, you know what? Again, special effects, pretty okay. The tree itself, way overdone. Yeah. Like, the special effects the- were pretty cool, but like, really? <laughs> Yeah, and like by the time that the tinsel or whatever is on at the end, it's like okay, this is this tree is gonna fall over for for how many decorations there are. It was good like two steps before that. It was good before he started. Yeah. So, okay, but whatever. Uh, everyone's stunned by it, so that's fine. Yeah. Sure. So, um, so now he's uh he's he's gonna go meet with Mrs. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I'm curious, I'm curious to see if you think this part's too much. Well, so this is the part where he like opens up this thing, this little box, uh-huh. and there's something in there. It's like I wrote this specifically for you, darling, or whatever, right? And I'm like, oh shit, is Mrs. Hamilton cheating on her husband? Mm-hmm. You know, scandalous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I funny don't... how he, he says that part like for the benefit of the audience. It's funny. <laughs> her husband's yeah. name was whatever. Ooh. Yeah. But her husband's name is George. He, he almost looks at the camera like, oh, <laughs> my word. It's cute how much film trickery they did in this movie also. Because mm-hmm. he's going to be on the harp, and he's clearly not playing it. Yeah. But, but it's again, just like his head there. Yeah, believable enough. Really, yeah, it was fine. But I just they thought can, it was kind of funny the way they did you it. You can have a whole a whole room full of his, his stand-ins for various things. His skating <laughs> du- Maybe the skating double was also a harp double, and he, du- he did double duty. He did double, double duty. Double, 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 double duty. Double, yeah. double duty. He double-deuced it. And then, and then the doubles all had double-doubles, where they stood in for being the double. Wow. That sounds great. So... <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out she's not cheating, which I much yeah. prefer. It's just, I also yeah, didn't it's realize a, she was a, she was a widow. Yeah, um, I think I knew that because she was talking about the George B. Hamilton Memorial. Yeah, I guess I just you know I didn't put it together. Like I just it kind of went over my head in the beginning, and mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, he's dead. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Oh, can we can we use this to go back to one of my favorite jokes in the movie that I forgot to mention? Sure. Yeah. Earlier in the movie, when she's saying that. She's talking to to to, or is it earlier? This is when Henry has changed his mind. Oh, this is just before he gets stuck in the chair. I think it's he's changed his mind. He's like, you know what? In order to fund the cathedral, I'll let you do whatever you want. He doesn't say that, but he says, "I think your idea is a great idea." And she says, "Oh, good. 
I would like the the image in the stained glass window of St. George to look like my um my husband, George. And he says, Okay, good. Who do you see as the dragon? <laughs> that is pretty good. It's a funny line that she 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 actually like is like, oh, any old dragon. <laughs> He's like, okay, you missed missed my missed my point, but that's okay. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> that is a good one. I don't I don't I think that kind of went over my head too at the time. Um, but I enjoy that he's using like good memories to remind her of being a good person. You yeah. know, it's actually very, very. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to say beautiful, but it's borderline. Yeah, it's nice. But then I think this goes too far. Mm -hmm. She's like, I never loved George Hamilton. I'm like, really? Yeah. I don't, why did we need that? Why can't it just be like a happy memory? Or and she's like, oh yeah, I used to not be like rich and and an asshole. Yeah, what they could have done is I love this guy who died, right? Right. That's it. And I love my husband, but at the same time, the, this other guy has a special place in my heart. I think they could have just used this as a reminder of who she was before she met her husband. Yeah. You know, like, I don't really know why it needed to go there. But anyway, and she's like being really nice. And they're all, mm -hmm. they're both just like, well, what? <laughs> yeah, they're like, hold on, what just happened? And then, and so you know, then of course it's like they figure out that it was Dudley, and Julia's like, "Do you see what Dudley's done for her?" Mm -hmm. and, and then you know, she's saying how like, "Oh, you need to give Dudley a break." You know, like, yeah. Okay, have Dudley yeah. take a rest, and then Henry's like, "I've been trying to make him do just that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know Mrs. Hamilton doesn't know, but it's like, yeah, I just actually fired him, so that's gonna yeah, give exactly. him a long break. <laughs> <laughs> And then he just decided to continue doing work for me. So not like to do there. And so then now they're they're back at the professor. So Henry's gone back to the professor, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh and they they're talking about Dudley and everything. And this is the first time he's able to admit that he's an angel. Mm -hmm. He didn't stop me from saying it there. Yeah. And, and then, then uh then my second favorite tied for probably my favorite joke in the movie. Yeah, work. I think you're more about to say the same thing, so go yeah. for it. Uh, what a shame. He seems such a nice fellow. Yeah, an angel. Too bad. He seems yep. such a nice fellow. <laughs> well, it's funny because the, the professor continues to be basically not religious as far as we know. Right. Yeah, he's like <laughs> presented with, uh, you know, otherworldly things, and he's yeah. like, no. no still fine. not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fine. Maybe he follows like ancient Roman religion since he hasn't followed politics since whoever. <laughs> Since the death of Julius Caesar or something. Right. Well, then we get another kind of like weird thing where Henry's like, I've already lost the love of Julia and little Debbie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that seems like kind of a leap. <laughs> you've, you've jumped ahead here, Henry. Yeah. That's quite the uh, intense conclusion to jump to. She spent like two days hanging out with this guy. <laughs> Maybe you should relax. Have you noticed how ugly all the trees are? The Christmas trees are in this, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tree technology like, is not what it what it what it is today. Well, I think what it shows is that they had these trees in California. Oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so they all, they were like, oh, but best we have is scraggly little things. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the pine trees you get in upstate New York. Sure. Um, now Henry's like. Well, the professor convinces Henry he needs to fight for it. He's like, I've never mm -hmm. fought an angel. Mm -hmm. I'm like, have you fought anybody, Henry? <laughs> you don't look like the fighting type. No. Um, I, I also like the professors. You know, he's an angel. You're a man. Yeah, exactly. 
which I feel like is he's telling the audience, you've got a dick and he doesn't. <laughs> yep. Remember the whole Ken doll thing? That's, uh, that's it, Dudley. <laughs> so, uh, so he's, he gets, you know, to Dudley and he's like, I've never fought an angel, but you better take off your coat and put up your dukes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but it, it felt sort of weirdly out of place, didn't it? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, so <laughs> so now Dudley is, says that uh, that he was. I guess Julia and Henry both ask him if he if he'll come back. Yeah. You know? And um, Dudley's like, no, because when you start to envy mortals, basically, mm -hmm. then you know you shouldn't be there. So I would go to the other end of the universe, mm -hmm. which is. It's awfully far. Yeah. Here's the here's the thing. What's going on over at the other other end of the universe that requires Angel's attention? You know what I mean? So like a I'd supernova like that out. he has to go look at, or are there more? Is he saying that there's more life on other planets? I think that's what he's saying, and I like it. I like it too. It's just I would like I kind of want that sequel. I me too. That sounds the like Zor a good sequel. The Zorg Gap's wife. <laughs> so, um. Then he says, kiss her for me, you lucky Henry. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> he's also he's also told Julia at this point that he's like, please make, you know, like make it so that I can stay here with you. Keep me here. Yeah. So well, we'll get to it in the ranking part, but I'm just I just was like, is this real? <laughs> was it this great for you? Spending, you know, like you've lived for thousands of years at this point, but this these this week. Has been that transformative for you? This is the first chick he's ever seen that got his got his got himself going. Well, she knows how to make heaven on earth. True, and you she know? looks good in hats. Yeah, that's the big thing. <laughs> he likes hats. I also love so now. So now he leaves, and and they show like him touching his head. You know, mm -hmm. Bishop to to signify that okay, now they've forgotten about him. Mm -hmm. Which you know, like is like the next best thing to our neuralizer from Men in Black. Um, I think it's even better. <laughs> but he also seems to forget that he has a sermon to give. <laughs> it's true. Which is like the only thing he has to do. It's his only work. real work that he's done basically this whole week that we've seen him. <laughs> and he's just like, oh yeah, I've got to, I've got to work. I've mm -hmm. got this gigantic house and help, and I, this for this one thing that I have to do once a year. Um, and so now we're going to get to hear the, uh, the sermon that, that, uh, Dudley do right wrote. <laughs> he is Dudley do right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, apparently Jesus needs a stocking. He needs so. a stocking for Jesus. Thanks. Yeah. We always forget to put one up for him, you know? And here's, here's another part where I was wondering if you thought it was a bit much, um, yeah. again, not to get ahead of the rank, but at the very end when, uh, Dudley's outside the church, you know, and it's snowing kind of way too hard. Um, you know, the professor is going in and he stops and looks around and sort of knows Dudley's there and we're getting the, uh, the sermon. Um, is it a nice ending or is it too much? I didn't really, I, so I think they were trying to show that, that he, he was invisible at mm -hmm. that point. So I was okay with that. Um, I thought the sermon was not that great. Yeah, it's about as good as the writers could come up with. So right, exactly. So I was just, to me, it was it was fine. You know, I think honestly, I wouldn't have even bothered with the sermon. Mm -hmm. It might I have been a I good would... idea, just not not show it. 
Yeah, because the whole point is that what he really needs is his wife, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing that really matters. So why show the rest? Yeah. He hasn't worked at all to this point, so we don't need to see him work. Yeah. He hasn't worked at all to this point. True. I got to get where he's a bishop. Well, so anyway, that's the whole thing. That's the, the whole movie. So um, I guess let's go on to the rank. Yeah. Oh, wait. So the rank is where we rank the movie based on 10 categories, which are? You're asking me? Yeah. I don't have them written down in front of me. You do it. <laughs> what do I look like? Some kind of agenda person? <laughs> well, you're agenda neutral. So <laughs> story, I did that because you've done that joke many times. Yeah. Um, by many times, twice. So story, <laughs> acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack, script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and timelessness. So we start with story, and Zach starts. I uh, went with an 8.75. I thought the story was very nice. Um, it's kind of hard with some older movies because I feel like this is the sort of story we see, like kind of a decent amount. I don't just mean in The Preacher's Wife, the remake with Denzel Washington. Um, and Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston and Courtney B. Vance. And Courtney B. Vance, that's right. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but uh, So I'm not 100% sure about the originality, but... Um, I still think it's a nice story. Um, perhaps drags a bit in the middle, but that's okay. Yeah, I gave it an eight point two five. I think it's a fun story. I, I felt I felt pretty similar to similarly to you. You know, it's an the story is an angel comes down answering the prayers of a bishop, fucks with his head, <laughs> gives him quote unquote guidance, and then turns him around by the end. So mm -hmm. that's fun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the next category is acting, and I gave that a seven and a half. Okay. I think the leads are pretty decent, mm -hmm. uh, but everyone else was not super great except for the professor. He was he was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's a different time for acting, right? Um, yeah. The uh, it's it's going to be difficult going from like the very realistic portrayals of complex human beings to some of the more you know generalized archetypes that they used to play back in the exactly. old days. Exactly. I am learned, so I speak like mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. There was just more embellishment and action, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, and not as much subtlety. But if you take that and you know you take that into account, like that's the expectation for the acting here, yeah. then they're doing a good job. But I still think that there were a lot of parts with overacting. Mm -hmm. So um, the kids weren't great, but that's yeah. okay. They're kids. Um, but Matilda, Sylvester, and most everyone else were a bit much. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Hamilton was okay. Yeah. So. That's what I got. What do you have for acting? I went with eight and a half, kind of, kind of the same thing. I thought the leads were all very, the three of them apparently, none of whom were, <laughs> were getting along or being nice, but uh, they were all charming. Laura Young and David David and Cary Grant. Um, I guess everybody else was a bit much. Sylvester was really over the top, but everybody else was fine. It's kind of for me, this sort of movie hinges on the on the leads and whether or not they charm you. Yeah, yeah. Sylvester was. I think I might have gone higher if it wasn't for Sylvester. He Poor was. Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you think, since this is the acting category, do you think it would have been good if with the role switched? You know, it's hard because I don't, I've don't. i never seen David Niven in anything else. He can be very charming. It, it was one of his things, that he was charming and smooth. So then, if that's true, then yes. I think it might have been better. 
I'm not. I, I'm not 100 on Cary Grant being quite as severe. I don't, I don't want to say meek, but yeah, severe and like, can would we really believe that he would be threatened by someone like David Niven? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I guess I, I could oh. see. I could see anger coming out of him really well. That's that's actually true. That was what and, I was thinking when I said that. And actually, he plays Meek very well in um, Bringing Up Baby, the movie he did with uh, Catherine Hepburn. Um, well, there you go. Where they take care of a leopard, which is literally the plot. Um, and uh, he plays Meek and like Mousy very well there. So that could work. I, I think it works really well as it is, though. So I'm kind of... Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, yeah. I, it would be interesting to see it the other way around. But, I, you know, I think... I understand the choice they made because while David Niven probably can be charming, Harry mm -hmm. Grant's better looking. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's he, uh, you. You buy whether or not you agree. You buy him walking into the room, and people are like, "Well, right." You're like, "Wow, that is a handsome guy." Exactly. So, um, all right. Well, so the next category is originality. What do you have for that? Originality, I gave a uh, seven, but I might go higher because, like I said, I'm not 100 percent sure in context exactly how original people would have taken it at the time it feels it feels a lot like it's a wonderful life like you said it feels like i feel like every other show hasn't has something where like an angel shows up and it's like oh christmas angels right showing yeah. us showing us how to live whatever and like even the angel being jealous of the human feels a little bit familiar but again this is 1947 and we're, we're alive today in 2023 so right yeah, that's why originality is probably going to be hard for the older movies for us because we're mm -hmm. like, well, we've seen this before. And like, yeah, but we did it first. Yep, this is I where you saw it first. You know, like, <laughs> um, it's but, funny. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, I don't know oh, if you ever watch any Marx Brothers movies. I haven't. Um, it's funny because there will be stuff that's like genuinely funny, but you're like, oh, I've seen that joke a million times, and it's like, well, you've seen it a million times <laughs> because they did it. Yep, because everyone was aping them. So. It's, it's sometimes you have to actually physically remind yourself of that while you're watching it. Like, you know? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, well, so I gave it a six and a half for originality. Okay. Um, I'm probably not going to go too much higher than. Well, cause the, the thing for me was that the year before there was a movie about an angel that didn't have wings yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just, to me, that makes it seem a lot less original. Um, True. however, I'll give it some originality in that the angel was basically trying to bang the bishop's wife. <laughs> I think that was new. That was new. The whole the whole him trying to do her. That was not in. I don't think that um, Clarence was trying to bang Jimmy Stewart. Although maybe. Maybe. Who oh, could blame him? He's so folksy. He was trying to, um, he was trying to bang Uncle, uh, Uncle, what's the uncle's name? I think he was trying to bang Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter, that's who that's who he wanted. He's like, mm. it's, it's like Snithers and Mr. Burns, you know? It's like, a, well, so the next category. Uncle Billy, that's his name. Sorry. I was Uncle desperate. Billy, that's right. Name. Where's the money, you fat son of a bitch? <laughs> so the next category is film coherence. And I gave that a seven and a half. Mm -hmm. It was fine. Yeah. Um, but there were a few things here that I felt like, why are we still doing this? The first one that jumps out to me is the skating with Sylvester. Which we've already discussed. Yeah, that was interminable. I just was like, it's just went on forever. Um, I also don't know that I like that they had him try to get with the wife to keep him uh -huh. at the end, I, unless they're saying that she needed to realize that she still loved her husband too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just um, 
there were other things. I can't think of a, the other things like right now. I, I talked about it in the movie overview, so you can just yeah. go back to that and listen if you want. But uh, um, there were there were a few things where I was like, "Do we need this?" You know, like okay, with uh, Mrs. Hamilton, like does mm-hmm. she need to have was? And these are kind of just story points, really. But I don't know. And again, seven and a half is. I think. For me, it was perfectly adequate. Is really really what it means. Okay. So, what do you have for it? Um, I gave it an eight and a half because my problems are a little bit more with pacing than actual coherence. Um, mm-hmm. Things all felt coherent. I didn't quite. Sometimes it was like he's there to to help the bishop with his business, but then he goes off and does like a thousand other things. And I know that's the point, but like, it, you just re- sorry. I know he could have spent like more because he's there to teach teach the bishop a lesson, right? Right, and then right. He, most of the movie he's talking to Julia, who doesn't need a lesson. She's fine. Right, right. You did remind me though of the other thing I didn't like with the film coherence is that they used his magic too much. So mm-hmm. yeah, also true. But yeah, I was there was basically nothing that was incoherent or anything to me. So I was basically fine with it. Just maybe a little bit could have been some tighter plotting, but that's not really a. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Well, let's go to cinematography, which I think might be the hardest category for this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have for that? I gave it a seven and a half just because I wasn't 100% sure what to do. I thought everything was fine. <clears throat> um, we kind of need to know more about cinematography to really talk about some of this. Yeah. We should take a course or something so we're not like just completely clueless. People are movie people are listening to this podcast and being like, these guys are so ignorant. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> just for this category, though. Yeah. Um, I, I get it though. I give it a seven point three five. Okay. <laughs> I was going for seven point two five. I I but three times in a row I accidentally hit three and I was like, well, I guess guess and, it's seven point three five. An angel stepped in and made sure you gave it that that little bit extra. <laughs> yeah, one tenth better. Yep. Um. So. Yeah, I had no idea what to do this one, and uh, I will say that this this was. The cinematography often made me think, like, if I was watching this in the 40s, I would be thinking, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. There's, there's just like a magic to the movies that I could see in this. Oh, absolutely. You know? So at the same time, it wasn't really breaking new ground, but I and I didn't feel like they were going for anything much here. But I thought it was really good, just not more than above average. Yeah. So it's kind of where I went. All right, so the next category is score slash soundtrack. And for that, I gave an eight and a half. Okay. Actually, really enjoyed the music in this. Um, I think it was a little much at times, mm-hmm. but I think there's a sliding scale here for this because back then, one of the things I really like about older cinema is that they they really tried to have the music be a part of and help mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, you know, and not that that doesn't happen in modern cinema, but I feel like oftentimes in modern cinema, cinema it's like window dressing. Yeah, you know, it's meant to adorn the movie and not live with it. Mm. So. I like that this music, the music in this tried to live with this movie, but I think at times it was a little jarring. So not perfect, but pretty high in my opinion. So that that's it. Okay. What do you have well, for it? Well, I went with a nine because I feel pretty similarly. I like, I think you pointed this out while we were doing the, uh, I don't know what, where we were. But <laughs> nervousness with the dinner scene with David Niven. Yeah, you mentioned how well I think the, uh, the, the movie managed to portray the emotions of the characters via via the music and really make us feel what they're feeling um which is pretty i mean that's pretty standard for how movies are supposed to be but this did a very good job of it 
where you're like right there with like for instance i actually really liked the the way the entire mrs hamilton remembering whatever that composer's name is now both yeah. between, both between the harp playing and i feel like there are some nice understated musical cues during the whole scene and uh you know it kind of it kind of very much does evoke you know sad but bittersweet and somewhat happy memories and there's a lot of parts of the movie like that that do a very good job of not being over over overly heavy-handed but still perhaps a little much yeah i agree uh no i mean i i think we feel pretty similarly about this so that's mm -hmm. that's cool i was curious when i was doing this right up for the for that category specifically if, mm -hmm. if we we're gonna align on that so it's cool that we did but the next category is script structure and dialogue what do you have for that i gave that an eight because some of my uh some of my problems biggest problems were uh some of the way it's structured like i said with it it's a little too meandering for some parts where it's mm -hmm. like where'd the plot go <laughs> this is this, this movie's just them hanging out which is which is nice enough it, it's a pleasant enough the two of them hanging out going to visit people and talk about things and everything but it feels like where where you know is there something happening and it could have stayed with the overall plot a little bit better yeah it's funny i think uh for me i put a lot of the a lot of what you're talking about into my film coherence film score coherence, yeah yeah I mean, and i, I, mean, I kind of did the opposite so yeah um i'm not i'm not saying that i'm right and you're right. that's oh, yeah I'm just noticing that we because i gave script structure and dialogue a 9.25 okay so i because I, I actually really like the structure and dialogue of this movie i felt like everyone was real and their lines were pretty believable which is mm -hmm. unexpected in an older movie you know mm -hmm. yeah because older movies tend to fall into this trap of like unbelievable dialogue because of the artistry of it, you yeah. know? Um, but what's fun about this is that when you have a mythical celestial cre creature, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can play with the dialogue and it doesn't feel out of place. Yeah. I also enjoyed how many quips they gave the characters. So yeah, there's some very funny little things that are like are always amusing going back watching. So exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I gave it. So now we're going to character relatability, and I gave that also a 9.25. Mm -hmm. I thought the characters were all very relatable. Sylvester was probably the weakest <laughs> of the characters, <laughs> but everyone felt real to me. The only thing I didn't get... The pick on Sylvester hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I didn't get was how Julia really couldn't see how her clear attraction to Dudley and her PDA <laughs> with him would affect her husband. Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, but that's about it, though. I enjoyed the characters, though. I didn't empathize with them that much for some reason, Ooh. which makes me think maybe I'm putting it too high. But uh, what about you? I give it a nine and a half because uh, I empathize with, I think it does a great job of showing them as actual humans with, I mean, the point is that they're humans that are, you know, make mistakes and have complex emotions and frailness in some ways. Um, and I guess maybe that's Julia's problem, that she's not putting herself in in her husband's shoes. Like, what if her husband hung out with an attractive young woman all day instead of hanging out with her well yeah, then, again, no then again she does under she does have to deal with him working quote unquote <laughs> by which i mean fretting over various things yeah looking at a painting and looking at a painting and going oh i wish this was a real building yeah. <laughs> this is like the pinocchio of cathedral movies maybe i shall pray for it mm -hmm. pray 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 all right well so the next category is production value so what do you have for that uh, here's another one that was a tough one. Yeah. yeah, but I gave it an 8.75. I thought the production value was good in that. I mean, everything looks good. I, I mean, it, it, you, you had a lot of like sets that were like 
you know, not actually the outdoors or wherever they live. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, beyond that, I think they did a good job for the time period, and I thought the uh, special effects were were cute, uh, whimsical in like the right way, and actually somewhat convincing. Yeah, I. It's kind of this. This is kind of funny because I gave it an eight point seven five. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we I are also, in agreement. Yeah, I, I felt kind of the same way. There, you know, it's hard because it's there's not much to it. You mm -hmm. know. So this is what I'll say. Everything felt believable, which is what you said. Mm -hmm. I guess one gripe for me would be how the hell did the bishop get such a freaking mansion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not really about production value. So I think the church scene was the only one that like left a little to be desired because it was just like a dank basement. You know, there was nothing really to it. Um, it wasn't bad or anything, but just felt like, you know what I mean? With like the choir, the boys choir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought the production value on this was pretty high. I would imagine it wasn't easy to make everything look like it was winter all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So the next category is timelessness. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really curious about this category with you because I, I didn't know this movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that there are people that do, I like you. Um, but, mm -hmm. but, you know, in doing research on it, I realized this is, you know, it's, pretty it's fairly well known right mm -hmm. i think making it a christmas movie helps with its timelessness as people tend to crave that toward the holidays um mm -hmm. but i'm really curious what you'll have for this because you'd actually seen this movie before and i don't know if it's something that is common knowledge for people or not this movie right yeah either way it was easy to find stuff about the movie because it, it has stayed at least somewhat in the cultural lexicon so that's where my score comes from which is a seven and a half so mm -hmm. what do you have I gave it a nine. Um, this might just be for me. So it's if like anybody goes out and is like, nobody knows this movie. That's I guess sorry. <laughs> I, I I watch it just about every Christmas, and I've I've always loved it. So maybe that's just maybe I'm speaking just for Zach. The rank this is the rank four is John and Zach. This is I think that's okay. And I mean, it never loses its charm for me. And. Well, that's it. That's the whole rank. And how'd, um, how'd she do? Well, she beat Spotlight. Oh, well, how good. <laughs> um, Spotlight's going to be our worst Best Picture nominee for a minute, I think. <laughs> and it won Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Well, it was the worst of 2015. The worst one we have on here is The Aviator. Oh, that's true. I completely forgot about it. I forgot about how, how weak 2004 was. My bad. Yeah, because it actually, Spotlight beat three 2004 movies, and The Bishop's Wife beat Spotlight and those three 2004 movies. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I mean, it's only 0. 0.7 points away from uh, The Big Short. So yeah. it's firmly between The Big Short and Spotlight. So yeah. I think yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good score. I wouldn't mind being firmly between the big short and spotlight. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I want to be anywhere near spotlight. That's a good point. Never mind. <laughs> I retract that joke. I'm going to print a retraction. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Check us out next week when we're ranking Blade Runner. Speaking of, by the way, there are like six versions of Blade Runner. Um, including the the mega Ridley Scott director's edition. Um I suppose we can pick We're whichever the theatrical version. My my idea was the theatrical version. Yeah. Apparently the director's cut is better, but that's 
too bad. That's not what, what yeah. yeah. So um, maybe we we'll come watch. back around to it in three yeah, years. Yeah, we can, we can watch it. Yeah, we can watch the the, theater, the director's cut at some point, but theatrical is where I was thinking too. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, uh, the 1982 film starring Harrison Ford, directed by Ridley Scott, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and Sean Young also was in it. So Ryan Gosling was not in this one. He was not in this one. I don't know he was born yet. He was probably just born, since I think he's a year or two older than us. Well... If the action movie series isn't your thing, then join us in two weeks for the next movie in our Best Picture series, Miracle on 34th Street, the 1947 Best Picture nominee starring Maureen O'Hara and John Payne and written and directed by George Seaton. Yeah, if, uh, and if Christmas movies aren't your thing, tough shit, I guess. <laughs> you know what? I should have picked Die Hard. It could have been right between the other two Christmas movies. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. Well, Blake Runner's kind of a Christmas movie. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye. And it's time for me to dud leave you. <laughs> <laughs>